Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 133, correct? Am I right? Did That's I get right. that wrong? That's, That's right. right, okay, good. Just checking myself. The last episode of the year. Don't want to be a James Jones here and just fuck up at the start, you know, I just gotta make sure I'm rolling he, on through. He makes too much of that, it's not that hard. No, it's, it's not. not I, it just gotta, not you just gotta go and check what was the last episode and then add one to it. It's a challenge for sure, but uh, challenges like that, it's what we like to overcome here at this Nintendo Life, we're all about it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're here, it's the last episode of the year, a lot of fun things planned, a lot of good things we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm joined by Bally, how are you doing Bally? I'm very good, MBZ. How are you feeling? Well, we've got a game of the year in the next segment. Yeah, I know. It's anticipation is coming. Secret, we've already recorded it, but that's that's the magic of podcast editing. You will never know, except for the fact that I just told you. Um, but that's how that goes. So anyway, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, discussing video games this episode. So strap the hell in because you're going to want to put this headphones on your head for a while because it's not going to stop. Um, so so do that. That'll be fun. And yeah, well, what are we going to be talking about today, Bally? Do you want to lay it all out? Yeah, first segment, we're going to be talking about a lot of games that we have been playing in the run-up to Game of the Year. We were squeezing in a lot of things. And then the second extended segment uh, is our Game of the Year, our top five Nintendo games, uh, or I should say games that came out on Nintendo platforms of 2018. That is a combined exactly. list. Mm-hmm. So we have to fight with each other to decide what gets in uh, and what gets out. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. It's always good to go through that process. Uh, let's us discuss the things that we loved, some things that we maybe had a bit of uh, um, disagreement about and, and stuff like that. So we will get to that, but we're going to kick things off with the video games we've been playing. Bali, where you been? Where you come from? Where'd you go? Where'd you come from? Connor Joe? What I, fin- been playing? I finished up Astrobot. Uh I can't remember the second part of the name. Astro Bot Explorer. Rescue Mission. Rescue Mission. I can never remember. Yeah, Rescue I'm Mission. the one who doesn't own this game, but I know what it's called. And, 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 so I've already talked a bit about this game, both like two episodes ago and also um, in our Game of the Year, non-Tendo Game of the Year, I should say. which was In our Patreon-exclusive episode, yeah. So yeah. I, I did talk about this game there. So you might have already heard a few things I'm going to say about this game. I love this game, MZ. It's a, it's a really yeah. really great game. It's I know. I'm I'm I don't know. This is one of those things that I keep hearing people just rave on and on about Astrobot, and I think to myself like, okay, I get what people are saying. People are like this is a Nintendo style platformer. It's like super creative and fun and amazing. And yeah, I I keep going back to all the footage I've seen of it, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't see how that's the case. It really just looks like a run of the mill collect coins jump about thing, but. Of course, I'm not having the VR effect. I don't know what other creative stuff it does. So, so, so yeah. The, and I mentioned this in the Patreon show, but it's the fact that you're controlling two separate units. Uh, you're controlling what is like I described as a lackey to camera. But it's basically the view you're looking from because you're obviously in VR and you're essentially looking at Astrobot, but you're the entity of the camera, the entity of lackey to, I guess, in the game. You can see their shadow. They interact with some enemies, like headering a football back at some enemies to defeat mm. them and dodging out of the way of other things. And Can moving... you take damage by being hit by stuff yourself then? Do you act as... It just kind of, of blurs always... the screen for a little while. It's not okay. permanent damage. Right, uh, right. And then Astrobot himself is one hit kill, basically. But there's so many checkpoints throughout the levels. It's very generous in that sense. So dying is of almost zero consequence, which is very nice. And it's... The fact that you're interacting 
in that world, but also it is called Rescue Mission. So I and haven't mentioned this before, but in the same way that 3D World has green stars, this game has eight Astrobot clones per level that you are looking for. Um, and you have to walk up to them with Astrobot in order to find them. And if you collect all eight, you basically unlock extra levels and things that I've not really gone back to, like challenge modes and things. But they are essentially the main part of the game. If you want to beat the level without collecting the eight things, it's an incredibly easy game. Um, a bit like 3D World. But if you, and it's green stars, but if you want to actually properly, I guess, see everything this game has to offer i and what i did was i went for all eight in every single mission on top of Mm. that there's a chameleon um which hides in the level uh in on like the back of something or underneath something so as you're going through the level there's a real emphasis on making sure you're, you're looking at every single surface to both find the other robots and to find the chameleon and this is all separate to the platforming because it's kind of it's interweaving a fairly simple platform like you've said mbz with um exploration exploration in a vr world and it's right so it's combined. like physical exploration because exactly. you're having to move yourself around the stage yeah. and, and stuff like that how, how does that work with the wires then did you find yourself getting tangled a lot were you turning around and facing the opposite direction much i've got the m- newer version of the vr headset psvr and apparently it is um better because it's one single cable it's not like three or four cables connected together right okay um so i basically kind of put it behind the back of my head a bit like a ponytail and if you just keep imagining a ponytail running down the back of your spine that basically frees up your arms and shoulders to start moving around and and shifting and while you're headbutting and things but definitely when it slipped in front of my shoulder um, it maybe did get in the way of the 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 dual shock a bit, but it's very easy to just grab that, fling it behind your your head, your shoulder, and and play on. It's it's not it's not the end of the right. world. It's, it's not too bad. Um, and yeah, it's just finding these eight robots and moving around, looking for where you're meant to be, where where they are, because often they're kind of they might be up in the sky or way down below, and you're looking, peering around a corner that you couldn't that you can't actually see if you're just looking at astrobot you actually have to get up and sometimes move around a bit and it feels really immersive in a in a very obvious vr way uh but it's the way that these two things link together because then you're having to control astrobot to go discover that thing that you've just discovered by peering over a, a cliff edge or something and or looking down and there's like a tight you can just see a tiny little secret at the bottom of like a, a crevasse that you're sending astrobot down to and he bounces back up and it's stuff like that that i think is unique about this game that that sense of exploration in a vr world combined with like you said what is fair, fairly basic platforming but it just done in a really impressive way yeah i i mean it's something that i would love to give myself a go at and and be able to to check it out because it's it really does feel like it's impossible to convey how good it is just simply by observing from a distance and is it does it have the the game on the tv screen as well while you're playing it yeah like how how all the vr games operate is that generally a standard that you can have someone off screen watching at the same time as far as i'm aware but that's only when caroline's been there and she's she has described what the screen is and often like for her when she's looking at the screen when it's not in vr 
as much as she feels ill looking in a VR headset, she probably feels even more ill to a degree by looking at a screen that's yeah. being controlled by someone in a VR headset. It's not the nicest thing to look at. Right. And and I think that's actually something that trips me up too. Like when I was talking about when I watched the video of The Witness and it's because someone else is controlling that character also. Um, so sure. I'm not the one who knows where things are going. So yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um but but, but, cool. but this game plays with that VR nature the VR nature of this game like so much in the sense that there's rapid gunfire there's water guns there's hook shots that are all being controlled using the dual shock and just being in any VR environment where you're shooting rapid fire things like from the hip essentially just feels great or squishing a water gun it just feels great in VR so yeah. that very simplistic thing which is made so much more fun in vr they really incorporate into the level design in almost every single level and that adds mm. so much to like the enjoyment of this game it's very short it's only six hours and it it, it certainly doesn't it, it might feel a bit weird if it was much longer than that because vr games generally are very small and i found myself my eyes would get quite tired after maybe half an hour or 40 minutes so it's not, yeah it's not like i would have even been able to play three worlds back to back i really had to sort of play one world at a time and that's just the nature of vr wouldn't it come down hard on this game personally for right it's just it does make your eyes i think our uh um meager human bodies have to adapt to the to the ways of vr and yeah and i'm I'm uh, sure that if you showed vr to someone who had never looked at a screen before they'd find it even more tiring but for someone for people like us who are looking at screens for large portions of the day even for for me, it does make my eyes, eyes feel quite tired after a while. Hmm. But um, I mean, it is strapped right to your face, so you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of makes sense. But uh, the level of innovation, the way it all comes together between the VR, the platforming, the exploration, the incredible boss fights, which I do think are the best part of the game. It and I've said this before; it is now one of my favorite three D platformers. I would put it right up there with Odyssey and Mario Galaxy Two. Of although, of course, it's nothing like the scope of those games. But sure, for what this yeah. game is trying to do, it absolutely nails it. And I know that PSVR isn't the optimum VR experience in terms of resolution and frame rate. Well, frame rate, I guess it is, but resolution. I would still say that. This is probably one of the best VR experiences out there. Not that I've had experienced many, but I'm just going by like, you know, Metacritic that just thinks this is the VR experience, mm-hmm. the best one. So it's cool. I want to enjoy more VR experiences at the start of 2019. I want to get Beat Saber. I want to finish up Eagle Flight, uh, Super Hot VR. There's lots of stuff I want to, shorter experiences I want to definitely dive into. But this is going to take well, a lot of beating. And You know, Bali, you know, Nintendo, wow. they're, they're dragging their heels on this VR stuff. Reggie doesn't think it's a big deal. You know, he's just, you know, chilling out. Doesn't and, you know, I think it was really 2018 that PSVR to some extent came into its own where it yeah. had games like astrobot it had the big price cut down to 180 and i'm i can't imagine that sony are making much money off it at that price no, and yeah. for the technology it seems like a crazy bargain yeah um, there was moss as well early in the year we've got Beat absolutely Saber, things like that and i think there was also just like a back catalog the last couple of years of releases that there were obviously like in each given time there wasn't loads of amazing things but over the last couple of years it's built up to the point where the library is robust enough for people to d- jump in exactly. and have a good amount to choose from now really yeah so and we'll see what the future of vr is i think that the that psvr has another good 
one or two years maybe like i don't it'd be interesting to see where sony go with the ps5 and vr if that's anything they try or whether whether vr gen more generally is going to come back with a huge wave two at some point um yeah that'll be exciting but for now astrobot is probably the best experience in that medium and i cannot highly recommend it enough even if it does cost 180 pounds to play with the extra headset it's so worth it fantastic uh, okay, well, we've both also been playing some Smash Brothers. Uh, had a bit of an online session the other day. Um, how, how are you feeling about Smash at the moment, Bal? Are you feeling like I'm you're getting it. more I'm into it? And Just yesterday, I actually played some guys, or girls, online yeah, myself. Um, and in sort of one-on-one two-stock matches and it's okay kind of- so what yeah tell me what your setup has been because i think a lot of people have been annoyed at the online the fact that if you set up your rules then it will not necessarily get you into a match with those rules especially before they patched it it was so that like i was like i want to do this 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 and it would put me into a four-player items match i'm like no i and i, and I get they wanted you to get into a game fast because of that um but it just was not good and since then it has actually been perfectly fine i've set my rules as three stock maximum time uh you know battlefield slash final destination and no items and i have generally been getting that there's been some variation where i found like this is a two stock match instead of three stock match sometimes it's like five minutes instead of 10 minutes it's it, it varies but overall it seems like they've gotten that stuff together a lot better so now. so i just sort of went on look for an arena and then it said what kind of arena do you want and so i said one-on-one stock match um i think those are my only no items those are my my only three things and then just gave me a list of arenas to join yeah so i tried that as well with arenas the thing is that if there's more people in them you kind of have to wait and you have to spectate i guess between rounds because i got into one where there was two people having a fight and there was kind of a queue system so i was sitting there on the outside of the ring and then i was next up and whoever won the last fight would fight me right when so i had to wait on, until yeah. it finished then jump in then i lost and i just got kicked out again and honestly it felt unless you're doing that with a group of friends and people you know that's not i don't think the optimal way to play yeah it's it's not incredible but i actually found it okay when it was a two stock match so that i think helps massively with the time it takes because i was with a group of four people and i actually really did enjoy kind of oh i won yes i'm staying on i'm here and then oh i got beat i'm sitting out and then while i sit out i would just like i'm just listening to podcasts and like i yeah change my character change the music in the in the um waiting area and then you can actually spectate as well so i was enjoying like watching what this one guy just kept selecting um the random option on characters and he was ah. he kept on winning no matter what even <laughs> with random characters he was just <laughs> insane and all of us were lining up that one guy was constantly king day 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 i was mixing it up between i don't know inkling mario samus and more and struggling massively uh and then i just kind of went in with dk just like because dk is so hit or miss and then i just had one match where it was he was essentially a hit and matches where i'm playing as dk and it all just goes right are just they're so quick because just dk does so such crazy amounts of damage so i think if you get those like massive smashes off with dk people are fucked like they're just gone i had a really good time actually and it was smooth enough there were a couple of hitches here and there but i i thought like especially when it was three people and there was only ever one person sitting out and with the option to spectate i thought it was it's pretty good and what's frustrating is if you say you don't want to spectate and you're changing your character 
that's it. You're out of spectating for that entire match. You have to wait till the next match to spectate. You can't just oh, yeah, drop sucks. in and out of spectating, which is really weird. Like, I wish it... It's just... the most Nintendo thing possible. The way they've designed right. those arenas is so fucking convoluted. It's... Like, when we tried to do it for the first time, it took us literally 20 minutes to get to yeah. a game. And it's you have such a, a split second of time to opt out of the spectating in order to change your character. Otherwise, right. you're locked in again as your same character. And... Ugh. That's not Terrible. great, um, but I still had a good time because, I mean, it was Smash and it's online and it's one-on-ones. And I yeah. actually won a few matches. I've obviously lost more than I won, but it was just yeah. cool that, you know, even the ones I'd lost, I was like, they're not actually this insane level that I'll never get to one day. They're kind of just a bit better than me, which I right. really enjoy fighting. And I think that most people online are probably about that level. So Yeah, I, I agree. I think I have found that generally the matchmaking in terms of how good they are versus how good I am has been pretty on the nail. Um, I think that global smash power stuff works pretty well. It's a little bit up and down because... So, for example, I was playing a lot with Richter when I started playing online and I was losing quite a bit because I was getting used to playing him and stuff like that. And all of a sudden my Richter is down at like 90,000 in terms of his smash power. Meanwhile, I win one match with Lucina and I'm at 1.2 million. So it feels like this gulf between the numbers. Um, And if you play, so like at the moment, my average uh, is 1.2 million just across everyone right now. And so if I just choose a random character, say a player's, I know, Game & Watch, and I lose game and watch might go down to 500,000 so you get cut a huge amount and then it just gets cut down more and more and i don't know you know ability wise and stuff like that whether that matches up with other people and like how hard it is to climb back up to 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 fight people who are at a higher level um and often because you'll start because there's a baseline number for every character you could play a character you're awful with and be matched up against someone who is insanely good and so it takes you a while to find someone who is as good as you are with that particular character um so it's a little bit kind of bouncing between different characters and figuring things out but the thing that has really been enjoyable about it is getting to focus on doing that one verse one that i want to um and just learning all the different stuff that the new characters have to offer fighting against some really good people who have played as like king k rule and have just wrecked me and taught me about like the ways that you can play king k rule to make him really fucking good um it's been a great time so far and i think that yes the first couple of days were rough in terms of the online but i haven't really had that many issues and especially when we played for two hours the other day uh wasn't too much of trouble at all like i don't remember there being matches that were bad in any way yeah it worked out well and we're kind of going off the absolute bare minimum that nintendo need to be offering for this service and that is frustrating because it could be so much smoother and actually when you compare it to something like splatoon 2 i actually think what splatoon 2 offers in terms of even though it's not great i think what it offers in terms of online modes and how to get between those modes changing weapons etc it's actually a lot better than i mean Smash. yeah I, it's not great either it works but it's, it's still one of those things that you have to back out of a lobby to cheat change between like salmon run and regular multiplayer you know you don't that's you true. can't like you can't party up and just go from thing to thing which is the thing that the xbox fucking 360 figured out two goddamn decades ago well <laughs> less than that but you know what i mean like i'm a decade I'm, ago uh, uh, over a decade ago yeah. uh it's yeah it's it's very frustrating but 
I don't know. It, and it, it's stupid because we're paying for it, right? I wouldn't be as annoyed with it as I am if I were, wasn't paying for it. But I'm fucking giving them money for an experience which is just as the same as the Wii U, honestly. Like, there is minor differences. I'll say the matchmaking is definitely better, but it's just not, it's just not where it needs to be. Um, and kind of the idea of for glory and for fun... I thought it was a kind of a nice idea because it's very simple. It's like It was, but I actually way prefer this because For Glory really made it so that you were up against people who were stupidly good. They were just true, insane. Yeah. They would wreck your shit. There wasn't good matchmaking system. Whereas now, at least, you can set what your rules are. And because the global smash power is applied to all these different characters, it will try and get you with someone who is in your range. Um, which helps and it makes it so that you have enjoyable matches that you feel you can actually participate in and do well in as opposed to just getting crushed constantly um, which is how I felt a lot of the time playing Wii U online which is why I never really got into it I only ever played against you on on Smash 4 because everyone else was wrecking my shit whereas with <laughs> this I really feel like I want to keep playing and I've really yeah. enjoyed playing online so yeah, far yeah there's just there's a lot of players out there who like I said they just feel a little bit better than me and that is fantastic that's what i want i don't want to just completely wreck everyone and likewise i want no. to even i want to be able to get a hit in and that's what it feels like i can and when i play well i feel like i'm being rewarded for that and that's really Definitely. satisfying in their fighting game yeah um have you been going into more world of light how much more of no, that i'm still and... kind of just trying to unlock everyone to be oh, honest I'm, I'm still trucking along and i've not played any more world of light really um so I'll I f- would say you should definitely dip in and out of World of Light. It's I'll one keep, of those once things. Once I've got everyone, I'm going to keep dipping in and out, and I'm yeah. going to keep rotating between online and World of Light and other modes, and just unlocking stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. I th- and I think honestly, that's the best way to play this game is to just just sw- swap out different modes constantly. Um, I really enjoyed bouncing between doing a few World of Light matches, going in, running through a classic mode, checking what the challenges are I have to complete, going doing a Century Smash with Wolf to unlock one of the panels um, you know then jumping into the spirit board at the moment they're doing this thing where the spirit board switches out with different events and at the moment i love it because it's fire emblem characters and everyone else is groaning because everyone thinks there's too much fire emblem <laughs> smash brothers meanwhile i'm sitting here being like oh shit there's a match against lara kel from sacred stones this character who if you haven't played fire emblem you won't know very well and you won't understand the context of the fight which is really good the fight is uh, it's a yellow robin who's being lara kel she's a healer um and her when you meet her in sacred stone she comes across with two companions one is this big beefy bearded guy called dozzler and the other is like a a thief called renak and the two characters that they use to represent those characters are wario for dozzler which i laugh my ass off at and then Sheik for renak because it's it's like a thief uh, kind of character (laughs) and and i got into that match i'm like oh this is genius this is brilliant but also if you don't know this character you're not gonna appreciate any of this and it's just gonna seem like they've randomly thrown these three characters together which is why that loss of the context of so many of these spirits um from the trophies is is such a shame because I, there are going to be a lot of spirit battles I fight where I will have no idea what it's referencing or what it means. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's because, you know, each of these will speak to a different person and everyone will find their own joy in the different fights. But I, I wish that they had a bit more context yeah. for them. Yeah, because you're right, that lots of them are so clever. And yeah, even like that if one was I... brilliant. I, I, I just had to tweet about it because I was like, this is fucking great. Someone really thought about this. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. 
It's, so, it's cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to just keep flipping between modes and I'm going to keep trucking on. It's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And, and it is one of those things where I look at the challenge board. I'm like, this is so doable. I can complete this. I can, I've already knocked out two boards. So I've finished two boards. Um, I've got one more to unlock in classic mode, which is to finish it with snake on intensity five without dying, which I think should be fine. The other day I beat classic mode on nine point fucking nine, son, which I didn't think I'd be able to do because usually nine point nine in the sakurai games is obscene kinnikura's uprising i played through that game mostly on the easiest mode possible because it was so difficult uh but for some reason classic mode has been balanced so it's not actually that bad it does depend on what boss you get at the end like the boss uh which is the giant ganon form is annoying because obviously you have to hit his tail and it takes forever to like dodge around him to get those few hits in that you can whereas like giga bowser who is the final boss for captain falcon which is the character i used to get 9.9 um is pretty easy and doesn't take a lot of effort um and I, I think a lot of the fights that were set up in captain falcon stages were easy to just knock someone straight off the side of the stage before the match had even gotten started and i think the way it worked i'm not 100 sure on this but it's either how much damage you take or how quickly you beat your enemy determines how many points you go up by so like i start on difficulty five and then i go up by like 0.9 after the first match 0.8 after the second match so I wasn't 100% certain on how it worked, but it, it was it was really cool to go through that and figure out a way to um, to finish it on that difficulty because I, I, it was one of those ones that I was intending to use the hammer on and then there are some that they don't let you use the hammer on because they're like, no, you have to fucking do this yourself. You can't just cheat your way past. I'm like, god damn it, game. I was so intending to use all those hammers on the really tough ones, but <laughs> they know they know that I was going to do that and uh, so they stopped me. Um but but yeah, that's that's been the the best way to play through this game for me is just jump between things, and you know it's it's missing stuff. And I know that we have bemoaned it, and and we think it it could be such a better game. But at the end of the day, it's Smash Brothers, and I'm just having a great time playing Smash Brothers. And it's again. on Switch. That's great. and it feels great handheld, yeah. and that's majority of my play has been handheld. Honestly, um, it's I'm glad actually last generation that the GameCube adapters were so scarce because it forced us to learn to use this button mapping. <laughs> you were um, and enraged when it was so hard to I get was hold of, so and then, fucking and you gradually mad. just gotten into it. Yeah, and now it's just like whatever second nature. I'm just going to use the face <laughs> buttons, and, and yeah, I'm just used to it. So, so it's been good. I've been enjoying a lot of different characters. Mainly, still been playing as like Marth in World of Light because that's the best character that I have in that mode at the moment. Um, Zero Suit Samus feels nerfed. She feels not as good, which Thank is God annoying. Can I, now, can I now nerf Cloud, please? Yeah, no, no, Cloud cannot be nerfed. Cloud is the best. I love him. He's my favorite. Um, so yeah we're gonna keep playing smash brothers it's obviously it's a staple it'll be here for years and we'll keep playing it and keep doing multiplayer it's it's, it's great um so yeah anything else to say on smash before we move on just like you said we're gonna keep keep trucking along get mm-hmm. some, getting some more online matches and these new characters so far are fantastic yeah man I, i'm waiting for that dlc though i want to play Ooh, as joker i want to find out what else is coming in this DLC. oh it's exciting it's so exciting we live in a world where smash brothers just never ends it just it just keeps going um i love it it's so good great uh okay so the next things i've been playing i'm not going to spend too much time on them but um dug into both dead cells and valkyria chronicles 4 and you talk about um, both of those in the next segment as well so yes a little got, bit plenty, plenty uh, on both of them 
Um, what I'll say is I wanted to get both these games before the end of the year just to check in because they're two games that a lot of people were talking about. Valkyria for me is one that personally, as you know, like last time, Valkyria was my number one game for old games of the year. So obviously I had to get to it. And uh, and Dead Cells, everyone's been raving about. And there was a sale in the US eShop to get these games which didn't translate into the uk store and i was very fucking annoyed about this because we have this universal thing now and nintendo still does region by region sales that they you know they decide on whoever whatever reason i don't know why but nintendo of europe sales is just fucking shit it sucked it was so so bad um and so i went online find found a place to get a download code uh, and it, it cost me like 40 quid basically for a 50 dollar eShop card and i used that to get dead cells and to get valkyria because uh, valkyria was 30 and dead cells was down to 20 so i got 50 dollars, got my two games and i'm playing them on my regular account because that's the thing that you can do on switch um so i'll start with dead cells dead cells is it's a roguelike game uh where you die a lot and you are this weird dude who i feel like it's basically these cells that have attached to this dead body um and it's the thing that's like controlling it the art style actually reminds me of severed um i don't know i i mean i guess there's something like the color palette maybe the color palette the yeah style. not in terms yeah. of like the sprite and stuff because heaven is much more of a kind of animated yeah. game than a sprite game but um but yeah i, I kind of see that comparison to some degree dead um, stuff and that strange color palette i think are the yeah two things I'd yeah compare. and and the idea is that you basically go on these runs through this area where you're killing a bunch of enemies and you have you basically you're equipped with two weapons at the start you can have like a bow and a sword or like a shield and a sword and then along the way you collect weapons um, and you find some new ones that you can use Uh, there are traps uh, and different aspects and a lot of this game is about collecting different blueprints for weapons that you'll then eventually spend your cells on Um, so you kill enemies get cells and then you use those cells during your run to contribute towards your wider progression so that's where the rogue lightness comes in is you do have a progression where it's like okay to get a health flask so you can heal yourself while you're on a run put 100 cells into this uh, thing so you have to dump 100 cells in and you get cells relatively frequently i would say it depends on how you're exploring the areas right because the first area once you've done it a bunch of times you kind of want to run through it but also it's a good place for you to get cells early on because you're not going to die and you can explore it without kind of fear of of that happening so uh, uh, there there's kind of these two situations there's the situation where you want to run through to get to a certain gate because there are gates that are time locked so if you get there within two minutes it will be something that's open to you and you can get a bunch of bonuses for it or the other way is to just explore a bunch and you know do well by doing that and not have to worry about the the time crunch of things and i've generally been going at it more leisurely uh, and not trying to rush through and then trying to get as many enemies downed as possible um and it's enjoyable i think the thing about it for me that holds it back a little bit is the idea that once you die you do have to start over and it does take a while to ramp back up in order to get to the further areas and to get to like the first boss um and and to to have a good set of items that you want to be using one of the good ones early on that i've crutched on is basically an ice burst that freezes enemies in place so a lot of enemies that are difficult to deal with in the first couple of areas you just freeze them and then you mash away at them uh, and and they're dealt with uh and it 
it, I think it's harder when you don't have that because you can get into situations where you're crunching the corner and there's loads of enemies taking you down and you want to get out of the way and trying to roll, but it's not working and all of a sudden you're just suddenly dead. And if you die, you lose any of the blueprints that you've picked up and you also lose all the cells you had. So it is very much that risk reward it is, you know, building on that idea, but it feels really good to play. Initially, I wasn't a huge fan of the movement and the jumping because it felt very weighty. Like your double jump is not a a big bouncy double jump it's very it feels almost donkey kong ish maybe which is something you may like more about it bally um but it 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 does feel a lot more fluid once you get used to it and the way that your character clings to walls and ledges and falls off ledges is is very easy to kind of understand you have a dodge roll uh, you have a jump obviously and the positioning of those on the face buttons was a little bit weird and i was gonna change it but it got to one of those points where it's like it feels better to me personally if i switch these two buttons around but i've already played this game for like a few hours and now i've gotten used to the way the game does it so Mm. trying to switch back it's one of those things in your head once you get used to the way the game does it it's hard to go back to to a different um kind of way of doing it so so yeah it's uh it's been interesting it's been definitely i've had a few runs where i've got to the first boss i beat him once and then after that i got past like two further areas um trying to be as very careful as possible but also that run in particular i had come across really high grade weapons so rarity and and how good the weapon is will will vary by randomness um and so i had a lot of traps that were really good traps are things where you can just like lay them down on the ground and jump away and that the enemies just die to them so there's one that just shoots a bunch of arrows out there's one that's just like a razor blade on the ground so if they walk over it they take damage and basically the the way to victory in this game is to be very patient to step back and to just throw down traps and let them do all the work which i'm not sure i'm a huge fan of i know there's obviously other ways to get through the game but it feels like for me personally if i was to beat this i would maybe have to cheese it by using traps because i'm not good enough at the combat and the rolling and the enemy uh, attack pattern recognition to because i know that the game is going to get very very hard by the end um it may be one of those things that it just takes me 100 hours to do which i know i I was checking guillaume uh from nintendo world report and and seeing his stats and he has played dead cell for over 100 hours and i was like boy and and he it took him that long to finish it as well so i'm like i don't know if i have the stomach to go that long um because it has already kind of worn on me so far it still feels great and i am enjoying just going through and going through but the moments where you're like oh god i just fucked up and i died and you're like oh i've just wasted 25 minutes and i have to start again it is one of those things i find more difficult to deal with um but you know it's still great uh i think a lot of people have praised it rightly so because it it has some smart things about it and you always feel like you are progressing because you're constantly getting blueprints you're constantly spending those cells on unlocking them and the weird thing about it is unlocking weapons doesn't necessarily make them available to you from the start so when you start you get to choose between like a sword or a shield one of the unlocks you get is like random bow or random shield so because when you first start out you'll always get the same standard bow and standard shield uh but if you invest into this upgrade it basically makes it so that any shield or any bow that you have unlocked through blueprints will randomly be available at the start so now because i've invested all the way into my bows i get a random bow style weapon at the start of a run so i could start out with something really good as opposed to having to wait to come across them um and the way it works is that once you've unlocked that blueprint it will randomly show up in your game and it won't show up until you've unlocked it so you start out with a very small selection of weapons and traps that you have available to you and the more you go through the more you unlock 
a lot of people have recommended to not unlock certain ones because they're bad and you don't want to throw the bad ones into your mix because then you could have the chance to get a bad Uh, thing that you don't want so i've been avoiding a couple of things that people have said are not particularly great things to do so um but yeah uh it's cool i'd recommend people check it out but again it's maybe not for me it doesn't stand out as much as i think a lot of people have have enjoyed it uh and then we have valkyria chronicles 4 uh which is in every sense of the word valkyria chronicles it really is just the first game again with a new cast of characters they're even all from the same goddamn place the fake poland which is called galia um and this is a different squad this squad is far more focused on taking down the front the kind of russian front as it were and pushing back into enemy territory um, and really focusing on more the offensive strategy whereas the first game you're a far more scrappy band of of um kind of soldiers who are trying to just defend your home country from being invaded so it feels from a narrative perspective a little bit different um but it feels very much ramped up in a lot of ways it feels far more punishing and difficult the maps tend to not only have multiple parts to them in the chapters so you have like three maps in one chapter as opposed to usually in the original game there's like one map per chapter sometimes the maps will halfway through have a different objective applied to them that you can't see coming and will at some point screw you over because you'll be put in a position where you're like oh yeah i finished it and you're like oh no now i'm in a bad place because i only have one soldier here and they've sent a tank my way and oh god i'm gonna die so in that sense it definitely pulls a fast one on you a lot of the time and i haven't enjoyed that i found that to be quite a frustrating thing honestly and especially because you know a lot of the way you play this game is using saves to put yourself in good positions and then if something fucks up you can just reload the save and do it again if you're building towards one particular strategy and all your saves have been based around going towards that it's not going to help you when suddenly the tank shows up and you're like oh i have to start again and rethink this entire map because it's it's just kind of shat this on me out of nowhere um and overall it has just felt a bit more laborious like after each map i do feel a bit more exhausted by it It feels like i'm not as engaged and i've i've had it sitting there for a while on this one map that i haven't started yet but i've looked up like what i need to do and i'm like oh this is like a two-part map and i have to get to this place and i have to do this thing and the the weird thing is when i'm playing it i fucking love it. it it's just i think when i get down to wanting to play it it's i know it's a time investment i know that i'm gonna lose two hours to probably this one map where i'm gonna die a bunch have to learn a bunch of things to do and eventually get through it and i'll probably end up with an a rank because honestly i've been getting a ranks on a lot of these maps but it does take a lot of time to reach that point that you're confident in your strategy and you're able to to go through with it so unfortunately i don't think it has been as impactful and it's not going to be as impactful as the first game was but i think also the first game was a a lot better in terms of its design and 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 characters especially and i I think just the story and the characters has been something that i'm far more prone to mashing my way through and not listening to the voice acting whereas the first one yeah it was generic but it it felt a bit more endearing in, in that sense um so so i i still really like it like the core valkyria chronicles gameplay is amazing and it, it really is something that i've i thoroughly enjoy but it's not quite hitting the spot in the same way um so yeah i'll i'll finish it i'll get through it um but it may take me a while because it's one of those things that's just like you know it's a bit intimidating i would mm. say maybe the way you sometimes feel about fire emblem maps you're like oh, oh yeah. i'm done with one of those, i find games know? like that very intimidating i i, I yeah. i'm the same with something like valkyria something like codename steam i find them very 
draining on my yeah like, i don't know it's weird though because with with codename steam and with the original valkyria chronicles i was really pushed through with them i really wanted to push through and play them and mm. see the next thing and, and do the next map and i mean and, I, and i'm like that with like advanced wars but i just don't right, feel it yeah. in the same in the same way otherwise yeah so um so yeah I, I think it runs well on switch it's um it's 30 fps as opposed to 60 and it's definitely a bit blurrier uh, less um doesn't look as good but again like this game in terms of a leap and, and a jump from the first one feels like a sidestep as opposed to that because it it's the same war it's taking place in just a different front um the characters don't feel developed in, in the same way it feels like they took the bones of the last one stripped off the skin and just put a new skin on and it's like okay here's the new game we've changed some stuff but not enough to make it stand out and and be differentiated and that's fair enough i think because the last game came out 10 years ago and a lot of people just want return to form they just wanted more of of that first game i think on that perspective it it does deliver it just maybe doesn't do as much innovative or, or new as maybe you know you would want from a sequel like this um but but yeah it's still valkyria chronicles i still like it it's like smash brothers like still that thing i still think it's great just maybe not quite as into it as i was earlier this year mm. so so yeah there you go that is the video games we've been playing lots of good stuff lots of fun stuff um gonna be talking about more of them uh and you're gonna hear about that in just a little bit so don't go anywhere we'll be right back with our big uh, schmoozle on the top five video games on nintendo platforms in 2018 see you in a bit <laughs> folks welcome back to the final part of this nintendo life for the year uh, this is going to be our last segment where of course we discuss and debate the best nintendo games that came out and try to come to somewhat of a conclusion about what the top five will be um, and that's an ordered list from five to one and we have a selection of games that we will cut uh, and be going through and arguing and debating and saying which is better than the other uh, and all that fun stuff so that's going to be the main part of this uh, half of the show the other part is going to be talking through some more of your emails that you sent us through for some of your picks for games of the year um, so we have a few here and we're going to go through them so Bally do you want to take this first one from Chris 
So our first email from Chris, uh, some of his favorite games of the year, Oxenfree. Uh, this game is special in a way that I never would have expected. The way it builds atmosphere, suspense, and tension is unlike anything in recent memory. When the game started and I realized it had voice acting, I initially wondered if it could turn it off, if I could turn it off. I thought it would be a poor attempt by the devs to use it as a selling point for, for their game. Or, oh, how wrong I was. I found myself very quickly caring a bit about these characters and it gave me vibes of a teen thriller movie with just the right amount of cliche the slightly spooky nature of the story really grabbed me even as someone who isn't into scary stuff just like you mbz highly recommended title just like bali as well we're yes, both massive I, wusses i've really enjoyed that game and yes it is quite yeah. scary but it's, it's it's just the right amount i think yeah um super hot Everything MZ said in his summation of the game applies for me too. I felt like I was playing a game of chess, but with guns. I've never experienced anything quite like that in a game before, helping freshen up a genre that has otherwise become, become very stale. Yeah, we talked about Super Hot. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to get on that VR next year. Yeah. Excited for that. Celeste. Of course this one is here. I played it uh, in baby mode because I simply didn't have the time to bang my head against the wall trying to get through it in the normal way. However, the music was very fitting and really added to the atmosphere of the game. The graphical style was perfect for me and the story was way more heartfelt than it ever had any reason to be. I was quite simply floored by this game. Those are my picks, although my time uh, although my time for games has been significantly reduced recently so I didn't have uh, didn't play much else. Uh, always enjoying sharing my experiences with you guys though special mention i beat crash bandicoot one as part of the insane trilogy this year fuck that game (laughs) oh boy yeah i i kind of worry about going back to spyro and crash because i'm hearing much better things about spiral Spiral versus crash in terms of how well they've aged how it's right and and for me personally i was always a spyro person over a crash person so i would i would lean towards that but um actually i think i'm probably going to pick up that trilogy it's like 21.99 on amazon right now so i think i might just get it um over christmas as a present to myself you know uh, so i can play that a little mm. bit but it'll be fun uh we also have um a game of the year pick from flapjackle who says a game of the year for me has to be monster hunter world i've been a big fan of the franchise since monster hunter try on the wii i just love going into an environment and finding some giant dino dragon monster to pick a fight with this game doesn't disappoint and the quality of life mechanics they added compared to previous games made it a smooth transition to new players and a pleasant break from min maxing for veterans like myself even after beating the solo story i still have plenty of content to play and whenever a new update happens i get a chance to get my friends together and battle whatever monster capcom throws at us if you have never tried playing a monster hunter game and have even a slight interest in the franchise this is the place to start and if you get it on ps4 feel free to call me anytime well yeah that's one of those games that everyone's been talking about that i've been interested in, in getting to um but but yeah maybe yeah we more. missed it this year but i've heard amazing things i think every monster hunter game that's now coming out people are saying this is the one that non-monster hunter players should start with kind right of thing, that keeps it, happening it, true. it's becoming it's becoming more and more uh playable i guess to the, to the monster hunter noob so yeah exactly this one could be could be the one we, we've considered doing like one of the 3ds ones the backlog club or something at some point which mm. which may be an interesting thing to do even though it'll probably be much harder to get into yeah i mean world will come yeah. down in price next year maybe might even come to switch yeah. right maybe yeah it could I do know. who knows we'll see uh so our next one is from timeless gaming uk who says warrior gold 3ds absolutely bonkers in the best way possible with great production value and tons of content this was so much better than i was expecting from a 2018 3ds game awesome silly fun yoku's island express on switch uh, a wonderfully charming indie game that that uh 
seamlessly meshes pinball, platforming and Metroidvania gameplay and presents it with a gorgeous art style and a super chilled soundtrack. At 16 quid, it's pricey for what it, it is though, as I managed to 100, 100% it in around 10 hours. Great fun while it lasts though. Um, yeah, two Great. games we both missed this year, but yeah, definitely kind of interested in both. Maybe more so Yoku, Yoku's Island Express. I feel like a lot of the things within WarriorWare Gold I've done, seen before, but yeah, that take on a metroidvania is kind of crazy yeah i like it i like we get ideas like that that people haven't done before just blending genres together i've always been a big pinball fan in terms of like classic like pokemon pinball on gba uh, on game boy sorry and then i played a lot of metro prime pinball on ds but i haven't really played a pinball game since then i did get um zen pinball on 3ds is like a free thing a free download which oh, is, nice. is okay and interesting but but yeah it's just one of those things that mixes two things that i've enjoyed in the past so definitely interested in checking it out at some point um then we have finally tim who gives us a bit of a top five uh number five dragalia lost not gonna lie this is just here to have a fifth game that came out this year <laughs> i played this game for about two weeks before deleting it i did find the story in world fairly compelling but i just don't like mobile games and this is a very mobile game uh number four stardew valley multiplayer bit of cheating here since it's not a full game release but the multiplayer update got my wife and i back into one of our favorite games big time playing cooperatively on our shared farm is a great experience after the single player got a bit dull after a few years uh number three into the breach still making up my mind about this one since i haven't put too much time into it yet but man has it been brutal and punishing my mistakes in the few runs i've made so far looking forward to playing it more over christmas number two fifa 19 uh it was the year i finally got fully into international soccer uh football and so it was the perfect time to buy my own fifa for the first time i've sunk a lot of hours into career mode since september and it's overall been a great time the problem with games that iterate every year aren't apparent if you don't buy them every year very true uh, and then number one hollow knight i truly truly love this game it is now one of my favorites of all time perfect blend of exploration progression and combat with a subtle and engaging story um so yeah thanks tim for that list uh definitely stardew valley multiplayer yes, is one of those it things. just came out right yeah. on switch I've, mm-hmm. I've i've said like caroline's about to start stardew valley and i'm like maybe going to try and persuade us to start like our own multiplayer farm at like yeah. in conjunction with that because that is going to be a lot of fun yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great thing. I just to wish do. I had more time. I know. Yeah, there's too many things to play. They're all really good. Um, but but yeah, thanks everyone for sending in those. We uh, you know, it was fun to see some of the different picks that people have and different things that people have been playing out in this year that we haven't necessarily gotten to yet, and gives us some things that we will get to in the future, of course. But uh, we are now going to get to the meat here, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is breaking down and discussing the video games on Nintendo platforms that we played this year, and we're going to rank them. Um, so do you want to lay out what we have, Bally, and then what we're going to go through here? So this year, we've got 14 games on the list. Running through them, they are Runner 3, Dead Cells, Valkyria Chronicles 4, Smash Brothers Ultimate, Celeste, Overcooked 2, Into the Breach, Xenoblade, Torna, Guacamole 2, The Messenger, Octopath Traveler, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, Bad North, and Donut County. Yes, uh, which... We were going to have Donut County in our other episode, which is non-Nintendo things. And then they were like, oh, wait, we're releasing this on Switch on the 18th of December. So So actually, technically, it's a Switch game this year, (laughs) which I think counts for a lot of the, uh, you know, indie games on this list, which have come out on other platforms, obviously. But a lot of them have had a Switch association. I think that's one Mm. of the strengths of Nintendo this year has been less so in their first party output which frankly has been pretty abysmal like mario tennis fine mario party whatever like it's it's not been a banner year in terms especially of especially compared stuff. to 2017 
Right, uh, they kind of blew their load. They're like, oh, he's fucking everything and then some. Uh, so so it was definitely a big deal last year, whereas whereas here they were like, let's just build the slow build to Smash Brothers at the end and, and yeah. let's support it with, you know, Fortnite coming out on Switch and all these indies coming out on Switch. And like it, having it was this- kind of... You normally like back in the Wii U days or even the start of the Switch, you'd wait like a year or two years or like a, a good long, long, long time before anything came to the Nintendo system. Now, like it's pretty guaranteed that you know games like the Messenger, Guacam- Messenger came out first on Switch, I think, but Guacamelee mm-hmm. Two, Into the Breach, um, Bad North was day one as well, I think. But Donut yeah. County, like it's just either it's coming out on the same day on switch or it's coming out first on switch or at most you're waiting like maybe just a few months and like that is right. such a change yeah it, it definitely is and it it shows the strength of these games on the platform and that people are buying these games on this platform more than any others it's really interesting to see the shift because you we saw like starting with microsoft with the 360 that they really championed indie games and then obviously with the ps4 sony came in and they were like we're really into them now um and now nintendo has basically taken the banner and and they are the the company that is most putting a spotlight on those games now it's ultimately because they have a decent amount of third party support but they're not getting the hugest biggest triple a's because they just can't run on the system right. um so so it's padding out their lineup uh, and people are people spend money on their switches people buy games on their switches which is why things are doing so well um and why a lot of these games uh, are perfectly fitted to the device um, and handheld play in particular so so yeah it's done done pretty good uh so so where do we want to start on this list where where should we what should we do first should we cut stuff should we should, add stuff yeah. how should do you we, feel should we try cutting one game each and if mm-hmm. if you can't you can promote something or you can pass the buck um yep. so and nothing set in stone this is just like a vague let's yeah. try and clean it up a bit so sure do you want to start as you've played more of these games mz sure um i am going hmm, i'm gonna cut donut county um because so it's really cool Uh, i really enjoyed it and i talked about it last time uh it is very much a sit down two hours just chill out not much challenge just enjoy the light puzzle solving and the the really fun writing and things like that uh I i think that it is a cool concept uh as a video game it's not super engaging but i think that's not really its point its point is to just be something that is nice to look at uh has a really chill soundtrack and is just uh, a bit of a fun time to to mess around with um but there are a lot of games on here that i feel quite strongly about and i don't necessarily feel very strongly about donut county i also don't know how it runs on switch i played the pc version so i'm not sure if if that version is is great or if it holds up i'm sure it's fine i'm sure it does a good job um but but yeah i think i think people should check it out i think it's really neat uh and definitely uh if you want just a quick evening of of some enjoyable like very pastely visuals with um uh, a cool central mechanic that almost anyone can play uh, and is very very simplified control wise uh, i definitely check it out i think it's really cool but but i don't think it'll make the top five so i'm just gonna it's not that i want to cut it because it's bad or anything it's just oh, like, all these yeah yeah, these... yeah. so we kind of tend to play games we think we're going to like. Yeah, so <laughs> most of the time. Pretty much all the games we played this year we at least like. So I think yes. that there's nothing bad on this list. Uh, yeah. Right, so that's Donut County out. Down to 13, right. Um, yeah. 
I'd like to cut Runner 3. Okay. Um, I like Runner 3. I, I think like I like Runner, Runner 3. 3 more than you do. I think I like Runner 3 more than most people do. Um, it definitely lacks a lot of the polish and the kind of level design chops of the second game. I think they really hit their peak with Runner 2 in terms of mm. the the breadth of the levels and also just how succinct they were they the levels in runner 3 tend to feel quite a bit longer um and a bit more tricky and more devious and there are a lot more moments in runner 3 where you come across something that's like oh fuck you like it really feels fairly devious stuff coming onto the screen a bit quickly but yes i mean i agree that that core mechanic of you know the rhythm-based platforming that is so great about the series is there and it's great yeah and but i kind of agree i do i do prefer runner two to runner three it just feels more pure more simple but it's getting the simple simple stuff right without lobbing on feeling like it has to add on extra stuff which i guess in runner three they felt like they had to do to some degree it does i don't think it evolves the formula in a good yeah, way it has like these weird side quests and stuff where you have to take different routes and collect objects mm, by going back yeah. through levels um and then it has like special levels which are just fucking insanity like the first one i couldn't even get past like a third of the route it was so difficult and and requires such a level of precision mm. that you really have to spend like hours I think and hours I, I did there. one of those crazy hard levels just one maybe it took yeah. me about the same amount of time as beating two or three of the other worlds <laughs> like it's yeah just exactly insane but uh i mean it is a very good game and uh, I, I i do think it hitched ever so slightly at points on the switch yeah. it wasn't the smoothest of no it, it definitely feels unpolished it you, you you look at it and you like the way that he collects the gold bars some of the um I, I like the stuff where it goes not into first person but you're behind the back you like driving yeah. a vehicle or something yeah. like that i think that's like a unique addition that they made um but it didn't feel as clean as the side scrolling stuff and there's definitely things with the background and sometimes like twisting round corners that the perspective change made it hard to judge a lot of the time um so so there were a lot of hang-ups that i had with it despite the fact that i actually enjoyed it for being hard because i like that series when it presents difficulty and and it, it gives you things that are difficult to overcome and obstacles that are you know you have to remember and learn them the the pattern recognition with runner i actually do enjoy but i think the levels just a tad too long for that stuff and you get punished too much for it so you get sent back too far it feels in order to retry sections that you feel you know you should have a bit more of a checkpoint beforehand i think if they were to make these levels longer which they did they needed to add extra checkpoints to them which they didn't they just had that one checkpoint in the middle which but the design that they went with just wasn't enough. It it just didn't hit the right mark, which yeah. is disappointing because it was a game I was really looking forward to. Like Runner 2 is one of the best Wii U games. I think it's just such a uh, masterclass in, in design and, and making a, a platforming rhythm-based thing that is so unique. And they I, I don't know whether it was time or resources or what, but it, it isn't that same bar of quality um, no, in Runner no. 3. And that's a shame. I mean, we we were really excited for it, but uh, yeah, and it's a good game. It's a good game. Just not a yeah, it's good. Not I as like good as Runner Two. So yeah, yeah, that's Runner Three in the red. Okay. Um, hmm. This gets very very difficult now because I think these are all very good games. There are so many games at a certain level that I just feel like it's just going to be an absolute mess to try. And, yes, yeah. I know. Um. Uh. Okay. How do you feel about Bad North? 
Whoa, you're picking on my game before. <laughs> <laughs> Even I mean, you know. Uh, so in all honesty, I was going to remove Bad North next. Just okay. <laughs> as much as I think it's in, in amongst the mix of all these games, I'm not really prepared. There's games I'd rather fight for a lot more than this game to try and get in. I mean, I didn't think the Bad North could get into the top five. I'm just saying yeah, that I do definitely. think there are games on this list I'd remove before it, but I've obviously not played most of those. Um, yeah. We can remove Bad North now. I, I think that it's a really, really cool take on an RTS um, in a sort of rogue-like and it is a roguelike rather than a road light in the sense yeah. that you are left with absolutely nothing when yes. when, the, when, <laughs> when you all. die the, and you start over it's you are left with absolutely nothing and it is a gutting feeling um as part of the charm of this game i guess is that it does it's just honestly very brutal and the start the first few islands when you're defeating them so you are defeating like these ships that are invading little islands and it's a very very cool art style that's maybe the best bit of the game actually it's just yeah it looks awesome almost looks like a mobile game which is sounds harsh but it yeah i think we talked about how it has almost monument valley-esque look to it right it's a very simplistic not monotone it's like crazy cell shading i guess you could yeah call it um it's very very, very cool yeah very clean very crisp and and with this the format of these small islands that you're moving a maximum of three units around it works perfectly three units four units four who units. knows Can't you remember. played the game Can't i didn't Jeez, my brain <laughs> right it is four units yeah so hardly any units for a real-time strategy uh, and i've not i've not really played a lot of real-time strategy so that was fun in, in and of itself and I didn't beat the game. This game beat me, and that is frustrating. <laughs> but I did get to that final island. I've I've basically seen the game, if, even if I couldn't defeat that last damn. Level. I don't know if I've ever beaten a roguelike. Okay, maybe one into the breach counts, I guess. But yeah, I don't think outside of that, I've actually but into finished the breach. One. And we'll, we'll obviously talk about that game later. But you yeah. can artificially make that game shorter by choosing to face yes <laughs> the end game earlier. Whereas Bad True. North is is it's one. Thing you go through and i mean you can pick different islands but you can't bring that last island closer in the same way you can with into the breach and yeah, yeah it, it's a cool game i'd love to see where this uh develop i forgot the name of the developer it's really bad but i uh, would love to see where they go next um yeah and yeah I, I did sink a good 20 to 25 hours into this game and i did yeah. not expect to do that when i bought it i just it was one of those impulse buys from um watching one of the nintendo directs earlier in the year and i was like that looks cool i want to play that and i love it when games like that you just don't know about come along and you right. think right didn't know about that game this year but now we're talking about it in the game of the year discussion that's cool i love that mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that on this list actually so yeah bad north doesn't quite make it but a good game really loved it yeah cool i guess it's, back, it's back to me well you pick, uh-huh. you're picking on my babies i've got to pick <laughs> on <laughs> no no pick on yours. hmm it's tough man there's all these games i think are very good and i think that it's it's interesting because like last year it was really tough because there's a lot of big games that were very good yeah. and i think this year it's, it's a lot more about those smaller games but they're still very high quality and i think all of them um are great uh, so i've not played this game but i think i've got the most legitimate grounds to remove it okay obviously with your agreement and sure. that is and i just don't think it quite stands up to some of the other games on this list and that's uh-huh. guacamole 2 <gasps> I'm surprised that you did go for that because, yeah, I kind of have the same feeling, which is really and, bad. And, and I guess I agree. You mentioned this on our non-Tendo Games of the Year podcast, but, and I think I agree with you where I, 
I react far better to new ideas. And even if a, an idea is really, really, really good, if it's repeated, it just doesn't have that same oomph. And especially when yeah. you're trying to weigh up games versus other games in the game of the year list, it always feels like I would always favor the original ideas over the sequels. And that's just... Maybe that's unfair, and I'm completely prepared to say that is unfair, but I just, I think there's other games on this list that are just doing more, and I, I think, I've not played Guacamelee 2, I absolutely loved the first game, and I'd like to play yeah. Guacamelee 2, but um, I just think there are newer ideas doing cool things I'd rather see in the top five, is yeah. kind of where Th- I There's definitely exception decide. to that, like, and I, I have certain series where just giving me more of it is great, and that's what I want, and just the minor improvements are good enough for me. Yeah. But I do agree generally that something that makes a game of the year for me is something that I've not seen before. Something that is different and stands out and just has an impact on me. Um, And it's such a bummer because Guacamelee 2 is a really fucking good game. Like, it's so good. It's excellently designed. It really builds on a lot of the ideas from the original. Um, I I know a lot of people are bummed out by the idea that there's a lot of fight rooms, but I think the combat is so fun and good in guacamole generally that i enjoy those challenges and it's like okay it gives you certain enemies that you have to deal with together and i think just the ideas of the different powers having like the down slam which is green and like the side slam which is blue and having the different colored shields and then shifting between the realm of the living and the realm of the dead so some enemies are shadow in in one and, and some are alive in the other it's really this balancing act with the combat that you have to do and is super super engaging and fun and and they add the chicken with some more abilities they make it so you can actually fight with the chicken now chicken has its own shield breaking abilities too so there are a lot of like boss fights where you're switching between juan and the the chicken and trying to balance things out but when you look at it all together there's nothing really brand new there like the moves are all the same from the first game um it's kind of a mismatch of environments uh and there is this kind of crazy time travely like uh, alternate dimension story that you go along uh it's it's you know it's one of those things guacamole i didn't really pay attention to the story but it's funny enough it has like it's it's meanness and it has a lot of uh references and that's what it likes to do but there isn't anything particularly impactful from it like i think back on it and i really struggle to remember a lot of guacamole too which is weird because i played it like only a couple of months ago and yet i think because it is so similar to the first game it doesn't hit me with the same impact as something like say severed did which is like Dreadbox made severed and i'm like wow this is different and this is cool and unique and i've never seen anything like this before and i think that's why i like Dreadbox so much so the fact that they have gone back to the well and done something which obviously like they wanted to go with an idea that had been popular and it's one of the probably their most popular game they've made thus far as guacamelee i get it from the business perspective and also from the creative perspective of doing something different with it but it's not different enough for me and as a result it feels like the weakest drink box game which sucks because it's actually a fucking great game like guacamelee 2 is really good and i would recommend people play it but when we come to a game of the year list and it's very weird that it happens like this but it doesn't quite make it in that sense um which sucks it's like fuck man guacamelee 2 is great yeah, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say don't play that game. I'd say fucking buy that game right now. It's on Switch. Go buy it. Like if you have the original Guacamelee on Switch, it's like thirty percent off, I think, as well. Like, and I would say Bali, play this game because you love Guacamelee. You'll love it. Like You're gonna have a great Switch. time. I love playing yeah. games like this on Switch. Exactly, you have a great time with it. So yeah, so yeah. Okay, that's we're down to top ten. 
Yeah, I guess it's my turn now. Um, yeah. Ooh, all right. Okay, so I'm going to do something here which... Mm-hmm. I am going to cut a game because I haven't finished it and because I... it Again, similar to the guacamole thing, it's not doing enough new for me to make it stand out. Despite the fact that last week I proclaimed the Valkyria Chronicles wow. as one of my favorite wow. games ever. I was wondering um, where this was going. Okay. I, I'm going to cut Valkyria Chronicles 4, and I think it's a combination of things. It's partially, obviously, I've not finished the game yet, so I can't speak to its totality. It's partially that it is almost identical in terms of UI and visual design and um, character like uh, ideas and, and tropes. Um, it's definitely much worse when it comes to the anime stuff. It, it leans into it in a, in a worse way. It's... It just generally is the same building blocks and foundation and it doesn't offer a huge amount different the things that it da- does add things like a new class with the grenadier is at times very frustrating when the enemy uses them um it it also leans into an aspect of the game design that makes it feel so much more frustrating and unfair than the first game did a lot of the maps have sometimes elements that you don't know about for a good while and then they just throw them on you and you're like oh fuck how do i deal with this and they talked a little bit about this on rfn last week but i i tend to agree is the idea that you spend so much time in a map and like setting everything up and it takes a lot lot of effort and then you get to that that point and you're like oh i thought i was okay here and now no i'm fucked i need to start over again and generally it's good with that stuff because you have a save system that you can abuse the hell out of and i don't know how people would get through this game without abusing it because my god there are so many elements like random choice things where sometimes a move will hit sometimes it won't just because of an accuracy thing uh that you can just reset and be like no fuck you i want to hit that uh, things so i'm going to do that um it does feel a bit more challenging in a way that isn't as enjoyable to figure out and feels a lot more i don't know just punishing generally so i've enjoyed it a lot and i continue to play it but it's one of those things that after i finished a map i kind of feel exhausted and don't want to do another one you know it's it really kind of how takes... i feel after a lot of fire emblem maps. yeah like, but like this oh. this feels like that on another level it really takes it out of me it just kind of mm. kicks me and i'm like oh god i need a break i can't because it's so intense like every turn is just there are so many things going on and you have to worry about like okay am i gonna survive this but then it also has amazing moments where i'm just like actually fuck you game i'm gonna do this bullshit thing that i clearly shouldn't be able to do and win in two turns and that's what i did like recently there was a map i did the other day where there was this tank um that had to get to a certain point and i just pushed my tank through all the enemy forces and got it to a place where no one would run after me and all the units would run in the other direction to my base camp where all my other units were and i just managed to basically bullshit my way to the end in two turns and basically killed no one um because the objective was just to get the tank there and i did it without really engaging with the map um and that's great i like that the game allows you to break it and and almost cheat in a sense even though it's within the bounds of the systems but valkyria chronicles 4 really feels like a bit too indulgent maybe you know it feels like Mm. the maps are a bit too heavy with enemy units and sometimes a bit overwhelming yeah definitely because i I think one is really well balanced there are definitely difficulty spikes but it felt that every map was unique and felt fair and felt you could overcome it in a way that wasn't almost a slog and sometimes valkyria 4 feels like a bit of a slog which is um it's a shame um that said i think it's great it's still valkyria chronicles so you know that's the caveat i keep having these are all good games so yes it's a very good game and I, I definitely won't play one 
maybe next year. You should. Oh, it's so good. And it's on Switch for like 11 quid or something, 12 yeah. quid, which is yeah, great. Man. Okay, this is getting real messy. Mm. So I'm going to avoid the mess and say, okay. I think we should put Celeste in the top five. Okay, well, okay, sure, yeah. That's one way around it, to be a cheater and not to have the hard choice of cutting. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's in the top five. I You can, you can use the same strategy if you okay, want. Okay, sure. I think... But we might have to discuss it. See, if okay. you had disagreed with me on Celeste, we would have discussed okay. it, but you didn't. So okay. then we, you know, so it's fine. I think Into the Breach should be in the top five. Mm. I think I can agree. Okay. I think I can agree. All right. And I guess because it's in the top five, we'll definitely talk about it more later. Yes. Okay. okay. Cool. And right. this, now it, we got now. Now we should cut. Okay. Because is, yeah, we got to cut. We got to cut. So this is now making it easier because we are getting this list smaller. We got in this. Yes. So in the top group, we've got Celeste and Into the Breach. They are mm-hmm. supposedly potentially in the top five for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, still in the mix, we've got Dead Cells, Smash Bros. Ultimate, Overcooked 2, Xenoblade Torna, The Messenger, Octopath, Traveler, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Yeah. So only three games from here can move on up. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. That's hard. Okay, uh, I'm going to cut one, uh, and I'm going... Actually, oh, it's your turn. Yeah, to I was going to say. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Take a turn if you want. No, no, you go, you go. Um... I think in line with the Guacamelee 2 argument, in line with mm-hmm. the Valkyrie Chronicles 4 argument, I think that Overcooked 2 is an incredible game, but it doesn't yes. do enough to step up from the first game. Yeah, there have been a lot of those games and this year where it's like it's a sequel and it's basically the first game and it adds a bunch of cool stuff. Right. But it's probably like better in a lot of senses, yeah, it, you know? It, it is, definitely. And it's got But it doesn't. Yeah, and it doesn't have that impact, though, of the first one, and that's no, the important that's thing, that's the big thing. I mean, and I probably prefer, like, Overcooked 1 more than I do Guacamelee 1. Like, I do think Overcooked is that good. I absolutely wow. love it. No, absolutely. Jeez. I really, really love Overcooked. Um, but it's that it's that thing about when you're, when you're doing a sequel, it's got to step up in a big way. You know, we always talk about Galaxy 1 to Galaxy 2. That's the, the best example, I think, of, you know, a sequel stepping it up. And Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I guess just yeah, Overcooked Two just doesn't quite have the same impact. I feel, although it's a very very good game, um, but it's also combined with the fact that there's other games I'd rather fight for as much as I re- really like this game. So yeah, I mean, I love what should I say? I should say I, I really loved the throwing mechanic. I thought that the the idea of kitchens like in blimps that would fall into like a sushi kitchen and you're going from making burgers to sushi in the same level stuff like that was really cool and i loved it um but yeah me and caroline were kind of playing this a bit more by the through the motions like whereas the first game it was like we were just addicted from the first mission right until the last and that's including all the special edition content so it just by the end of overcooked 2 i think we're like wow we've had a lot of overcooked and yeah i don't know it's just it's very good i like the improvements um but maybe with such a simplistic formula it's very hard to improve on that and maybe there are some games like an overcooked where you just can't beat the impact of that first game and then maybe overcooked that kind of game so i guess it does yeah. it does get cut okay um okay i'm gonna cut bloodstain curse the moon uh i 
think it is such a surprise i think it is such a great thing that this kickstarter that was backed ages ago and i was like yeah i want the you know ritual of the night which is going to be the thing from koji Garashi that's the more metroidvania style thing um and we just suddenly out of nowhere got this spin-off which is basically a classic castlevania game in every sense other than the name uh it has all the four characters i think that they all have unique enough weapons like the alucard style guy has like bats that he throws out as his weapon he can also turn into a bat that helps you traverse earlier areas and you can find secrets and things obviously i'm gonna fall towards the the whip most of all which is miriam who's the main character of the actual bloodstained game um but it just looks so good it really adheres to that old school castlevania style but has bosses that clearly couldn't be done back then that really ramp things up and look awesome it has so many accessibility options it has the easy mode which makes it so that you don't take knockback damage uh, or you don't get knocked back you still take damage but you don't get that annoying thing where you fall in a pit because of a stupid uh, enemy on the edge of a ledge that always happens in castlevania games um it it really has a defined and distinct level design that is so it's so much more memorable than so let's say like a game like uh, mighty gun vault which i played last year where that game was doing the Mega Man thing, but I can't remember a lot about it. Whereas there are so many levels and bosses in this game that stand out to me because they they feel so much more authentic to the original. Um, and and I think that it's a game that is just very very brief and easy to breeze through on easy but if you want to play it on the classic difficulty with lives and everything it gives you enough of that old school castlevania feeling um that it kind of works for both crowds and there's even sections in the levels with with the paths that you can go down that are a bit more difficult if you want to do that and then you find that to be more of a challenge um it sucks because it's one of those games that is very small in scope and it's it's not like it didn't hit me in a huge way but i just really enjoyed it and thought it was excellently made and and just really good um and i think that you know people should check it out still because it's it's pretty cheap i think it's like 10 quid or something and it's it's great it's it's weird because i feel like this is gonna end up being the better game out of the two i don't know how the Hmm. other game's gonna turn out but a lot of hype for that other game yeah i don't know the the art style is not something i've fully jived with i think it uh, doesn't look super polished um but as long as the gameplay is good, I'll, I'll be there for it. And 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 this this really sticks the landing. It, it really nails that idea of, you know what? We're just gonna say fuck you, Konami, and actually make a real classic NES Castlevania game, and it's gonna be great. Um, and and it really is. So, so yeah, I've cut that. Bloodstained. Farewell. You'll be missed. Right. We've now got five in this middle pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are also in this tricky position where most of these games you have played and I have not. Ah, yes. Um, But I might call out some of your opinions right now. Okay. I'll put words in your mouth and you can correct me if I'm wrong. How about that? Yeah, go for it. I think, and this is basically me predicting what you would cut next potentially, Mm, but I think, I don't quite think and maybe this even plays into this theme we've been going for with sequels. I don't quite think Xenoblade Torna. Wrong! <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong. Xenoblade Torna is maybe the happiest I've been playing a video game this year. Um, wow. It, it, Are you sure about that? Yes. God, well, no. I don't know. I just really loved That's playing That's a bold through... claim. Oh, it's, it's so good. Man, Xenoblade 2, I really enjoyed i thought was great i think you know the story is is not amazing and it has so many frustrating elements and and torna is 
honestly, like, are you it, sure you want to get out the Xenoblade Tourna speech now? No, but like, okay, I don't want it. You can't cut it. I won't cut it. I won't cut it. We've agreed. A hit nerve. Didn't mean to. It's really good. I like it. Didn't mean to. Right. Start again. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll I, suggest, and I'll, and I'm, I'm gonna say we cut dead cells. Uh, okay. And the reason is because I just haven't played enough Dead Cells to really get a good idea. I think Dead Cells is really cool. Uh, it, it feels great. It definitely has that addictive quality of, like, one more run. Just keep going through. Because you do get a lot of progression when you go through um, and you, you find, like, blueprints for different weapons that you can then forge. And a lot of it is... The idea is when you kill enemies, they'll sometimes drop cells, and then you spend those cells on certain upgrades. Some of them are permanent, so like you can get health flasks that really like upgrade how much you can take damage and stuff like that. Some of them are just you know different weapons, um, but I think that so far I've not gotten far enough into it to really judge um, how much it either will be something I want to come back to or will be something that I fall off of because it feels to me like there is one certain strategy that is the key to winning dead cells and it's to it's to use traps as opposed to attacking enemies because there are two types of weapons that you have one is like your melee up close or you're kind of like using bow and arrows and stuff the other is like shit you drop on the ground which attacks for you which are like traps and, and things that you put down on the ground and it feels like the safest best way to get through that game is to just be patient and just let your traps do the work for you which i don't know how i feel about in terms of an action game that is so focused on like you know your skills and your dexterity if a lot of it is you know standing back and and waiting because that's how i've got the furthest really is just being careful um, and being patient about it but it's a game that i think is tremendous uh, in terms of its polish and and design and and a lot of aspects and, and it it feels great but again i just haven't played enough of it to to give it the push unfortunately how much have you played maybe five hours or so all right um so a good quite a few runs i've beaten the first boss once uh died to him a couple of times after that um and yeah uh, there are a lot of different routes and things and like permanent upgrades that you get along the way can i say something controversial sure i don't know how much i really like the whole rogue like slash light formula i mean that's fine I think, yeah, and I think it maybe works like with it. a strategy game. Like, we'll talk about Into the Breach in a sec, and Bad North we've already talked about, but I, d- I can imagine myself not liking Dead Cells from what yeah. I've heard, basically. I mean, it, it definitely is very repetitive. Like, as soon as you die, you have to start the first level again. And, it's, and does it t- you know, count as light or like? It's light because you get permanent upgrades. Like, you keep money, and you use money on your runs. You okay. When you get blueprints, you... you basically have to dump your cells into the blueprints in order to get them um so so yeah there's there's a lot of that stuff and i like that like rogue legacy is my favorite roguelike probably of, of all of them and, and that one is is one where you're dumping stuff into your castle in order to get permanent upgrades and, and stuff and, and dead cells does that but i haven't i haven't got far enough into it to see the impact that has generally later on in the game um mm. and, and stuff like that so so, okay. Yeah. Um, we've got this batch in the middle. Of yes. Four games: Smash Brothers mm-hmm. Ultimate, Xenoblade yeah. Torna, The Messenger, mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I do think we should push Smash Brothers up into the top five. Do we have to though? 
I think we do because <laughs> Smash Brothers has this unique kicker of the, its pure joy of just online multiplayer not maybe take the word online out of that but the pure joy of multiplayer i mean i don't know we played a lot the other day and it was great so that's what i mean like it's got that it's just great and that formula has been strengthened by the new characters of what i've experienced of them so far like i'm loving inkling i want inkling to be one of my mains like inkling is so cool and i you can say that about a large number of the new characters they're just so great and yeah k rule is amazing i really like richter and simon i think their moveset is so faithful like they are so faithful and so lovingly like they've been treated with so much more respect than konami will ever fucking give them again yeah and Uh... we can get into how lacking this game is in so many ways but as a bare minimum i do think it needs to be up in that top five at this okay. st- at this stage yeah i mean i agree with you i think that like it's kind of hypocritical for us to say like oh smash brothers and cutting all these other games that are more of the same but like we said before smash brothers is one of those unique ones where it's like i don't really care at smash Brothers. i think if know, i was locked so. in a room playing overcooked for 24 hours the formula of playing with friends would wear thinner quicker yes. than playing with friends at smash brothers like there are right, because there is just such a wide variety of ways that you can play characters stages everything there's like it it's no wonder that you know dan Riker did a marathon of playing smash brothers for 50 hours because you know you can you can do that and, right and it's still fun it um, it really is and yeah so smash Brothers up there so now we're down to okay. three in this middle messy okay yeah xenoblade torn of the messenger and octopath traveler uh-huh MBZ. Yep. <laughs> I think we should cut Octopath Traveler. <laughs> do not do that. Do not, just do not. Do not. Octopath Traveler's not a great game. It's Octopath game. Traveler has a couple of flaws that stem from the same core mm. structure. Like, I think that the, the pacing when it come the pacing of this game is horrible in the sense that you feel like you're doing every damn thing four times however i still think that the art style combined with some of the stories combined with the battle system and combined with that incredible incredible um masterpiece of a soundtrack I, I think it, it should be up in the top five i just think that yes octopath could could be better and i pray that it has a sequel that is improves on the core structure of these i mean the main selling point initially was this crazy way that it had eight chapters but having played it it's kind of like maybe that's the weakest part of the game because like everything else in that game is so strong it feels and that's maybe not strictly true i think the side side quests are very weak and very confusing and convoluted and weird and not at all like the simplicity of the main story um and it's also incredibly linear in the sense like there are these paths and the dungeons are very simplistic and but to a degree i kind of felt like that kind of worked for this game in one in one way and i think in the way that you know that you have so many different chapters to play that you don't want a really complicated dungeon with a specific character because you want the game is decent at moving on from character to character it doesn't feel like you're ever standing still too much but for me, this is the best battle system in any RPG, and I appreciate I've not played any 
thing like as many as you have mbz but i mm-hmm. really fell in love with that battle system and that's what drove me on to the end to play every chapter with every character and i did i genuinely did enjoy it right up right up to the end and the criticisms that others had of the structure i felt less but i completely accept that those are fair criticisms um, it's so fucking grindy why would you make me level up eight fucking characters independently why who thinks that's a good idea who thinks it's a good idea to level bracket one chapter after you finish chapter one to like 10 levels higher spend eight hours grinding my friend have fun with that to have a balance for party roster yeah. that you can then roll in and find did, a, fight a boss it, it did <sighs> prove that it's almost impossible to balance a game both story and experience wise to balance a game at perfectly <laughs> with eight eight characters it's not though i think it's so easy all you need to do is give let me have experience points for everyone like dragon quest 11 does that and it's a traditional jrpg but it, it has learned that that's the thing you do xenoblade does that of course it does because xenoblade is like one of the most modern jrpgs when it comes to convenience and i think that yeah, it's yeah. such a shame that this game took that idea and wanted to adhere to it because it it just pads things out it's it's one of the worst tropes of jrpgs is just padding for the sake of it to make it long and epic you know and this game isn't about being epic because quite frankly none of the stories fit that description it's not about world ending uh, catastrophes or conflicts it's about personal stories it's about these characters on their own journeys doing their own it's about world ending stuff through the back door but it's not the main story i agree with that yeah no no and for and, most people, they'll never touch any of that stuff anyway. Yeah, so and from what I looked into it of that post-game stuff or end-game, whatever way you look at it, is just crazy convoluted. And like you said, with the leveling up system, it takes a damn long time to even get to like have your characters high enough level to even yeah. think about doing that end-game like, stuff. Which really, so I didn't do that post-game stuff, but I did look it up, and it is it's cool, but it's too hard to get to, and that's the downside of it because it is. I I do think this game could have been restructured where you had to play that end stuff if that end stuff was a lot easier and then that's when the end credits rolled and yeah so i'm i can't defend the game structure in that sense and i agree the structure plays into the leveling up which is horrible which i agree with you actually it could be fixed if they just did yeah equal level ups but there's but just... also it's like the overworld there's nothing in it it's just like paths between villages that all look the same and have the same shit in them and have npcs that say nothing and are not interesting and are just vehicles for you to use one of your skills on like oh they're just here so i can th- steal shit from them or buy something from them or lead them and, and use them as part of my party like there's there's a vapidness to it in terms of when you're outside of those story moments it feels like the world is completely dead it doesn't feel like there's anything in it that is is tangible it it does not feel alive at all and and doesn't work as what like that's one of my favorite aspects of jrpgs is is having places that feel like you want to go to them and and explore and it it doesn't give you that because the part that you go between about certain areas of the map and like I, i did think that it did mix up that you know tundra arctic you know desert forest i did like that I thought yeah, but it, it just feels like it copy pastes like environments onto towns, and it's like, okay, here's town with these things, here's environment. Let's slap it. It's there's nothing, there's no standout town that has anything unique that I can think of right now. You know, th- there's no equivalent of. There's like a coliseum in the top left. There's like a you know an amphitheater in the bottom right, and I I can't name those towns. That's maybe a fair point, but like sure. I still 
there are plenty of RPGs. Like we just played Final Fantasy, where it had some incredibly like lackluster towns in terms of design, and maybe it's right. Harsh and to we compare. call we call that out, you know? Yeah, we yeah and we out. should always call it out, absolutely. And maybe it's harsh to compare two games where you know RPG, JRPGs have moved on since that game, and maybe like they should be stronger when it comes to that town design. And I agree, the town design could be stronger. Um, and I think it's because there's too many of them, right? It feels like they made this really large yeah, map because they have eight towns. stories and they want to have four different things. And so they want to have at least enough different towns for you to go to. Whereas if they had pared it down a bit more and made those towns maybe larger in scope and more unique uh, and identifiable uh, and maybe had things take place a bit more in them, uh, people would have, I don't know, uh, gravitated towards them a bit more and made them a bit more interesting. But There were some really yeah. nice stories in there, though. And I do kind of think that the battle system and that music and it did carry the game for me at least to a degree. Yeah. And like, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think the battle system is really fun, but I also think that it's very easy to break it and be like, oh, okay, now I've figured it out. Um, the way to do this is to buff old brick, uh, debuff the enemy, get him so that he's at max boost, and then use his giga super attack, and then it does like forty thousand damage in one hit, and just repeat that for the rest of the. <laughs> the fight you know like it, it it does have a lot of strategy and layers to it but eventually you find one that kind of works for everything and the game is built so that every boss has to be taken down with a super mega attack because their hp counts are just absurdly high that's true like they they get up into the hundreds I, of thousands and it's like the only way that you're feasibly gonna do enough damage is that you build up to this one mega attack that you can i agree really take it's a about chunk out of building to those mega attacks but i think the way that you expose a boss and expose it to one of those mega attacks does change and i agree that that's maybe not as diverse as you would have liked but i sure i, I mean think... like there is variety like cyrus's final one with 30 hip like defense points or whatever which is a unique different twist on it or you know like a, a lot of them have maybe unique mechanics um a lot of them do the thing where they're like nope i'm resistant to this for this turn so you have to use something else um and it's, it's about having that variety in terms of uh all the different classes making sure you're multi-classed enough um which I did like. I, think I that, loved the classing system. That I do good. think that's a strength. And I think like the ability, uh, the two different types of abilities, like the where you can level up a person with a specific class for a little while just to get a specific ability, and then that you can get some. I can't even remember now some of them, but you can get like extra attacks and this sort of thing that I certainly used on Hanit and. I really thought that was explained really well through the game and I never felt like I had to use a guide much on that stuff. It was all just really, really solid. So between the battle system, the equipment, um, the way that you apply classes to characters and upgrade them for like dual classed characters, because all that stuff before playing this game was really kind of daunting to me. I hadn't really played many games where that happens and I was like, oh God, I hope it doesn't kind of well in the minutiae of all this complex stuff and it didn't it was just so easy to play and i think that i didn't have a maybe i don't know but my amount of jrpg experience is gradually getting there but i didn't i don't really still have that much and before playing this game i didn't and i think after playing this game i feel like i've just learned a ton like it is a good way of learning how to play a jrpg i think i think the battle system combined with like i said the class system and the equipment in this game all links the synergy and how that links and the way that it's explained i think is really good to someone 
who is maybe weak on the JRPG knowledge, like I might be, or someone new to JRPGs. And yeah. the game is... I think I would agree that it's a very inviting game. Like someone like Greg Miller, who does not play these types of games, fell in love with it. He thought it was amazing. I think that that is... It's, yeah. it's a combination of the uh, art style that is so nostalgic and, and the relative simplicity of it, despite the fact that there are a lot of layers to that. Yeah, system. and I absolutely loved it. Like I really, really did. And... Not all the stories are very strong, but there are some strong stories in there. It's, uh, I mean, and... it's just so frustrating, right? Because for me, I was so drawn in by that demo. I thought that demo was yeah. phenomenal, and it set things up so well, and I was so into Primrose's story. And then you get to the main game, and it's like, you can see exactly where it's going to go. Um, and yes, there's like minor twists here and there, but you see what, like, you know that there are four chapters, and so you know that this chapter is this, this chapter is this, and this chapter is this. Like, duh, done. Theory on. You know this chapter is this, this chapter is this, yeah. because you're going after certain things and it's all set up i agree the emphasis there's there's not really any room for diversion or surprise within that structure because it is so rigid clearly laid like we're just playing into the same theme that like the the eight character structure the four chapters per character essentially to some degree rips the soul out of a lot of where those stories could have gone and i agree that primrose primrose is probably in the top half of stories for me it's not one of the top stories but it's a decent story and like just trying to think alfin's story was fantastic really really unexpectedly because the actual character alfin i really didn't enjoy using like it took me a lot of time to get used to how his um apothecary stuff worked right and i thought that was the weakest class overall yeah and it was um but then yeah the story was really cool and I know I'm I know that the post game isn't really fair to compare because I didn't actually play it. I just sort of read into it and looked at it later, but I really I mean that's fine. I did love the way that the the story's linked up and there is a the uh, there's something that plays into every single chapter that links into that final big bad and when you read into it like that that is cool and you can look at these stories individually and do that and that is ultimately i think what this game is going for that it doesn't quite nail it's trying to say we can tell eight different separate stories that unite into one mega story into a more traditional big bad at the end of this game and i don't think it sticks to the landing but i do think it does well in actually linking all of those and within those of the eight stories i think there are about two or three really strong stories which isn't really enough for an eight story game i give you that but i just i did fall in love with this game just in that bit and like i said the music the battle system and the art style just kept me going and maybe you shouldn't let a game crutch on those three things because it ultimately is all about mechanics but like i said the battle mechanics were there and if some of the stories are weak you can kind of get by being a jrpg if you get at least most of those right most of the time which i do think this game does okay well this is weird but here's the thing that happened we finished recording the rest of this podcast and at the end it turned out that the last 40 minutes of my audio had disappeared just into thin air valley i don't know what happened um the, the, my laptop decided to devour everything that i had said your laptop knew it was game of the year and yeah. wasn't happy with our choices no so made it vanish exactly so the thing is we have to change it now so we're gonna have to change our top five list basically uh no so 
obviously now we can't go back and pretend that we're like fighting to get things into the top five because that'd be weird. well i mean we could do that that'd be fun um but we're we're basically just going to chat a bit more about those games um and talk about our top five in its totality um because we already had that conversation but you're never going to be able to hear it i mean you could i could upload the one-sided conversation of just bally's you just audio. want to hear me with my little mini speeches on a few of these games i guess yeah yeah, I could you do. really want? I don't know. That's a bit I weird. We can throw it up on Patreon for like one dollar backers or something <laughs> random. Um, if you really want to listen to that weirdness, but but no, uh, we are gonna just chat through some of the games. I think the last thing that we left off on was Octopath Traveler, and obviously, I think the Octopath Traveler is really good. I'm not sure that it was. Um, like, it it definitely deserves to be in the top five, but I I wasn't like a hundred percent on board with a lot of things because i wanted torna the golden country from xenoblade to be on board um and i really love torna i think that you know a lot of things that it does are not overly special or unique but it just does them so well that it's a game that i just love to just fall into and relax into and there was that it's it's also because i had time off when i was playing it um and it was one of those games that i just spent hours and hours relaxing into and enjoying and just the environments and running through and there's there's something about the menu design as well and the ui design in that game which is just so nice uh, and the sounds are just very uh, good on the ears like a lot of it is just easy um and fluid uh, and it just makes it very very um you know it's it's a it's a game that I can just chill out with, uh, and that's why I I really loved it so much. Um, so yeah, so we, we had were... we had Octopath, Xenoblade, Torna, and the Messenger, and we yeah. pushed on up Octopath and Xenoblade, mm-hmm. and we cut the Messenger. Yeah, which I'm I feel really bad about. Like the Messenger's a great game, and people should play it. Bali, you should play the Messenger. It's really really cool. I think that the problem with the Messenger is it. It has a solid first half that I enjoyed a whole lot, and that 8-bit Ninja Gaiden style, running through those linear levels, great bosses, some really, really fun stuff, really funny dialogue. I think that they actually do some interesting things with the story as well and, and wrap it up really nicely. And then it has the twist... And you're like, oh shit, now I can go back through this world and like retraverse it and now it, you can switch to 16-bit. Um, and that stuff doesn't work quite as well. And the reason is is because the levels are not built for that kind of design. It's It, it turns from a linear 2D platformer to a Metroidvania and a lot of the places where you should be able to get back to quickly in order to do all of the backtracking, turns out that there are only limited warp points so when you warp to a place you have to like go through half of a level to get to the level you want to go to to find the one spot on the map which is you know the maps themselves are not very metroid like because they're so linear there's not a lot of branching paths to them so it's it's usually pretty obvious where you need to go but a lot of the time you are fumbling about and being like oh well fuck's sake i don't know what i need to do and i'm I'm trying to find where i need to go there is actually a thing where you can talk to one of the dudes in the tower and he gives you a clue uh, and that clue will, like, if you pay him some money, point exactly on the map where you need to go to, which just makes things, you know, it, it makes it easier and you don't have to worry about, uh, like, thinking. Uh, the game does the thinking for you. It's like a lot of the times when games build in guides and stuff like that, I do appreciate it because sometimes I just don't want to do the thinking and I just want to finish it. Uh, mm. So so that's cool. But but it, it's it does take a bold step. I just don't think the bold step works particularly well which is a shame because the message is brilliant and i think that people would really enjoy it uh i i think it 
sounds amazing as um i'm not sure if i even said this when we were chatting before but it has maybe the best soundtrack of the year rivaling xenoblade rivaling octopath i think they are all the games in this top five uh have amazing soundtracks but you know um messenger is i i could choose any song from that soundtrack and i'm like jamming along to it that's one of the things that i did enjoy about the backtracking is like going back through those areas and hearing those songs again and they also the the great trick they do where they switch between the 16-bit and 8-bit version of the music and also it does the mario galaxy thing which when you go underwater the music shifts and changes and, and sounds different which is my favorite thing actually i'm not sure if it does do that in the messenger maybe i'm thinking of celeste celeste does that and i'm like mm, oh yes yeah. oh that's one of those polished things with celeste where it's like oh on point um in terms of the music but but yeah you should play the messenger ballet it's, it's oh, really I cool will. i will um, i enjoyed it a lot but Sh- i think we... that the idea that you were passionate about octopath i was passionate about xenoblade tourner so we just thought um, why don't we just put the two games we're most passionate about yeah up into that list um shall we reveal our yeah. number five yes what is our number five our number five was smash brothers ultimate a, a bit of a shock maybe to some people a little bit yeah i mean but I, th- I i think justifiably so because we kind of talked about it last time and i think like railed on some of the missing features of smash brothers the fact that it feels a bit hollow in terms of the single player offering like there's classic mode and there's world of light and there's a whole bunch of spirit shit and there's a lot of that like obviously doing 74 characters in classic mode is going to take you a, a long time and world of light seems endless a lot of people say it's way too long so <laughs> it feels almost like subspace in that sense that people want it to end and it just doesn't end i remember playing subspace on brawl back in the day and being like i just want to unlock fucking sonic and toon link and these characters yeah. and it just took forever to get through that nonsense um yeah, we just came down real hard on this game, especially like the lack of trophies and the lack of the the trophies and the descriptions of those trophies were just such a huge part of Nintendo lore. That it's I, the history that's just blank and missing, and like, and that's the thing is the spirits could have been a good replacement if they had been able to implement that stuff, but they did go for quantity over quality. Right. Uh, there's even like there are moments where you want to go and dig in and and you don't even know what the game series is like they exactly. just appear on the spirit yeah. board i'm like there are a couple of characters i was playing today i was looking at like who the fuck are these people i want to know who they are what game are they from and i didn't know and i i couldn't really find out there's no, there's easy no way, way of do doing that. that without a google search and that's a real shame i mean it's just... you know it's working out for some youtube channels who are like hey, we're gonna run down every spirit in the game and where they're from and what, what the spirit oh, battles yeah. do um the spirit battles i've been enjoying more and more as they go along with a lot of fun things that they just they have these weird ideas that just work uh today i fought a king k rule who's a giant king k rule who was um just like the dark color king k rule he was basically the, the spirit was a snorlax and it's a stamina battle it has 500 hp and it just doesn't move. It doesn't attack you. <laughs> it does nothing. It's just a giant King K roll, and it's on the Beach Island Animal Crossing stage, oh, and it nice. just stands there because you know, you know, Snorlax with the Orange Islands and all that stuff. Like there are so many little things that they've thought about, and it's perfect. And it's not a challenge. Like there's no difficulty in beating the Snorlax, but the idea is to represent that thing, that spirit, as best as possible. And Snorlax just sitting there being asleep, and then um, intermittently he'll just randomly gain health back as well because he's resting. Um, so yeah, it, it just it's it's really dumb, and that stuff is great. Uh, but I do think that they could have done more in terms mm. of 
more interesting single player modes and offerings the, the spirits mode and i mean of course all the new characters and the ones i've played with so far are fantastic but new characters plus that spirits mode is just not it's not enough that's basically all they've added on arguably from smash 4 and as a whole package just i think smash 4 is so much better of course these new characters mm-hmm. are fantastic but it takes more than that. I, I want that lore. I want that history. And I, I appreciate Smash 4 really didn't have the strongest single player modes either. But in terms of like its attention to Nintendo history, it's just a better package and overall a stronger game. And I think that we've said this before, but if you could take all the trophies and that Nintendo lore from Smash 4 and then attribute that with all the what what's the roster at now like 74 characters like yeah. if you could put those two together that's kind of what that would better um represent the word ultimate perhaps and what we've ended up with yeah it's ultimate in some senses in others it it doesn't feel like it like the fact right. that all star is just relegated to this this bullshit side mode um which to be fair all star wasn't the most interesting of modes it wasn't but uh, at least you got a trophy you know that's a cool thing. exactly yeah right and 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 they did like take you around different locations and you had the kind of strategy of it where in between each match you could heal up or not heal up so it was kind of a balance of like oh am i gonna waste this max and tomato now or am i gonna wait and risk the next fight to see if i can survive and then come back and be able to do it um whereas now they have just made it it's just it's indistinguishable from any hundred man melee mode um so so yeah that kind of is a shame but at its core it's still a great smash brothers game i i think it for it to have gone higher on this list it would have needed to do more um and not be just another smash brothers uh which it kind of is another smash brothers Um, yeah which is fine and you know i'm gonna be playing it for years and i'm still playing it. i still i you know world of light is not something i'm gonna mainline and like really focus on but i dip in and out of it i dip in and out constantly i I jump between different things i'm playing a lot of online Uh, i think the online matchmaking has improved since they patched it as well and we've already Uh, had a blast online and it's it's held up better the second time it was it was good and smooth and yeah those new characters just learning their movesets and stuff has been been really really great yeah definitely that's our number five super smash brothers ultimate next i want to bring up a game because this is how we talked about it but i want to hear your thoughts on into the breach valley because i want to talk about it a little bit um because we were undecided on where this would go and i i want to hear your um ideas because you were you were less wanting it to be higher up the list than i was yeah um so i I love Into the Breach in terms of like what it's doing new in terms of strategy, turn-based strategy with the emphasis on pushing units and um, just having very few units combined with that. I think that it works really well. And the idea that you're defending these buildings as well as your units, I love all that. And I, I love the, the, the fact that the, the missions are very fast. Where it falls flat for me is the feeling of emptiness where you maybe make one mistake and mm-hmm. an entire three-hour campaign is just out the window. And I I argued that... I'd say three hours is a bit of a stretch. That's, three, that's I mean, if usually like maybe an hour tops, I would if say. If you're methodically thinking through each turn and you are sure. going for three or four islands i would argue it can definitely easily get up to yeah it could it could reach that yeah definitely. yeah but if you're just trying to unlock loads of guys and your um yeah. units and you're just kind of g- going through really quickly on an easier mode and say do two islands and i agree it takes 
much shorter time but Mm -hmm. i felt like it might have been strong a stronger game had it been a more campaign structure and that feeling of loss where you you fail a mission might not have been so severe because it is it's roguelike light like elements Mm -hmm. um but then i kind of came around to the idea that hey into the beach is a great game that you can pick up and play anytime you've got your switch with you and that you can like just dip in dip out and the longevity of that game is ultimately made much longer by the fact that it is a roguelite and that perhaps overall i talked myself around to the idea of well yeah i mean roguelite is kind of good i'm i'm very passionate about how incredible a strategy game into the breach is because i think that there are moments and situations that you can be in that seem impossible and look like oh god i'm gonna die because i've got one grid point left uh i'm overwhelmed by enemies i only have these certain moves i can do can i figure out an order in which to do them a way in which i can synergize between my units so that i can take out maybe two things in one or use it so that they synchronize together with the creativity um or or just like finally see the light and be after 20 minutes of just focusing i can figure a way out of this situation and that has happened to me so many times and it's always an amazing feeling um that it just for me elevates the game and i think it's just the way that everything interacts with each other the idea that you can you're using your mech's health more as a resource than actual like i don't know it's important to keep them alive but it's it's much more important while they have that health to use it as a way to maybe block an enemy shot yeah. or to stop them from coming out of the ground um and and the ability to you know each team is so different and distinct that the way you play them changes uh, everything as well uh and, and it makes it so that everything kind of links together and you have amazing moments where you know you pull one guy across a thing into a river whilst also blocking another dude in the same turn whilst like saving your guy at the same time using them to block a building it's it's that interplay of the strategy systems which makes it so interesting to me and a game that i constantly want to go back to and always gives me that as i've said before it feels like the most intense turn of a strategy game every single turn uh and and that's really really cool because it it limits you so much it gives you so little to work with and yet there are so many possibilities and and ways that you can deal with the situation um yeah and i think that when you sort of talked about being with your back up against the ball and fighting a way out of that i think in that sense you're probably better at this game than me because i've maybe almost almost all occasions where i've been in that position it has just been a sort of gradual death that has led to the next campaign mission right and And, and i'm not going to say that like i come out of that situation being like oh yeah i'm fine now and the rest of this uh campaign is going to be a cinch because i'm going to struggle and probably going to eventually die but what i'm saying is is those moments where you overcome it are so good that i don't really care about that other stuff right like yeah to, to me beating into the breach is not necessarily the thing that i'm in it for like it's i've beaten it on normal and easy and it's good and there's there's you know you you can do that and that is the the point of it but i actually think that the real joy of the game are those moment to moment interactions on the map and Mm. each map itself being the thing that i derive satisfaction from if you know what i mean like yeah just the individual gameplay as opposed to you know wanting to finish the game and the the ability to mix up 
mech combos and things like that you can do some crazy stuff where yeah and the variety of units feels so much different from advanced wars and fire emblem where one unit is just shoots a direct laser beam across the entire stage and the other units essentially help you align all the enemy units in a single line so that you just get your big your big bad unit to use that laser right through everyone and you're like wow i could never have done that in another turn-based strategy game it felt kind of kind of awesome and yeah this game isn't scared to be innovative and do stuff that's just completely out of kilter with any other turn-based strategies that i've tried so yeah it's cool. and i do think that that you know you can definitely level criticisms at it on in terms of when you play through on normal it feels like they do make it more difficult for you to upgrade your mechs and to get the cool stuff you just you just struggle to upgrade at all and you just kind of you get weaker and weaker as the missions go on it feels yeah. at times and that can be really hard but, but yeah um, it, it does depend though on the the team you're using and and i think to some degree which islands you go to so like the first time i use the team which has the electric mech that like uh you know shocks enemies through buildings i went on the ice map and because the ice map has so many um like frozen enemies and it has so many things that are like blocks of ice floating around there are a lot of different ways for you to link things up and so i cruised through that island the first time i used them just because they were well suited to that design um Mm. whereas you know different mechs will work on different uh islands stuff um, like the acid that makes you take double damage and you can strategically have there's certain maps that even have units that make the um enemies suffer from acid and then you follow that up with a hit that'll knock them out sort of thing and yeah it's really innovative stuff that there's not a whole lot of innovation arguably in that genre on switch i guess i mean there's not many turn-based strategies full stop on switch to be honest and i think Walmart's no. coming out next year we've got fire emblem right next yeah year, so obviously three houses looking forward yeah to that. which looks cool so this is just a really it was a really unexpected game that came out earlier this year on other systems came a bit later on switch and really blew a lot of people away and that's cool and i yeah. I really love this game just maybe not as much as you mbz but um so we yeah. we pushed it um, on up our list shall we just leave we it did it went it, it went a bit further up uh because you were like up. you brought up you're like it should be number four i'm like no it should not and here is why and yeah. hopefully you so i sort of why. two three four were fairly close together i would argue yeah um, um and i think we did a bit of a deal here which is because into the breach went up further uh i said okay bali i'll rescind i will let you have your octopath traveler higher than my xenoblade and we kind of have had a bit of a back and forth about xenoblade and octopath already but for me xenoblade does everything octopath does better uh in terms of music in terms of battle system in terms of world design and exploration and even characters honestly as as you know poorly written as some of the stuff is and anime is is, is in in xenoblade 2 um i think actually Torna does a better job overall of that stuff it, it makes it a more simple more grounded plot and and doesn't lean heavily into the bad anime stuff that the original xenoblade 2 does but i would say that because of how passionate you are about octopath traveler we put it up number three versus Xenoblade i just love that game four. i just yeah. love that game maybe too much you can argue yeah. I just, I, but i just loved it like for me it was the battle system the art style and um the music and some of the stories are pretty good most of them aren't amazing and we, we i think we had already discussed like a lot of the structural 
challenges of this game that kind of played yeah. it almost all the negative aspects of this game played into the same area which is that the the separate eight paths meant that the XP didn't level up evenly. It meant that all the storylines were very stuttered and repetitive in a way because you have eight starter chapters, you have eight final bosses, and it, right. it kind of feels very unique out of all JRPGs in a kind of negative way to an extent by that, that very um, stubborn structure that if they could just fix that structure a bit and maybe make it a bit more traditional... I said before that I do like that there is a big bad, even if I didn't get there. And I think that they put up too many walls at the end, the end game to kind of reach that big bad and realize how these eight stories link together. Because I actually do think they link together in a cool way. It's just that 99% of people playing this game will never know much about that at all, which I think is a shame because no. that could have been something that helped what is already a fairly overall, overall fairly weak story into a stronger one. It was it was more the process and the battle system and some of the smaller stories I enjoyed the most about this game. It wasn't the grand, grandiose um, traditional JRPG story that, that, that grabbed me at all, really. It, so it's... Mm-hmm. But that battle system, and I've not played Xenoblade, but I just absolutely fell in love with the battle system. And I mean, you played you played like Xenoblade and Xenoblade X, which I would argue have very hard to understand battle systems. And I would say that Xenoblade 2's battle system is also tricky to understand, but the way that they dole it out to you and the way they explain it over time makes it so that you do understand it pretty easily um and as someone who who didn't fully understand xenoblade 1 or xenoblade x, xenoblade x is i have no fucking idea i don't even know how i beat that game that final boss was a dick um was basically all i did in xenoblade x was i did like the farming technique with all the hexagons on the map to get as much money as possible to buy the best mechs in the game and then just basically just use raw power to overpower that asshole because i couldn't find another way right. to finish <laughs> finish yet whereas xenoblade 2 the original at least does make it very very easy to understand and one of those things i would caveat is you should probably play the original xenoblade 2 before you play this because there's so much of the story is predicated on that i wouldn't say torna stands alone that well like it it's okay and you can understand what's going on but without the context of what happens in the actual main narrative you're not going to get as much out of it um and also you're going to maybe be a be a bit overwhelmed in terms of a lot of the systems and things right. that they assume you already have knowledge of and you know how how they all work um mm. but it's things like the streamlining of the field skills making that much easier because uh you know you, you don't have this gluttony of nonsense blades to to sort through the fact that you know you always have a certain party and you know who you have in your party um and overall just the the streamlined nature of the battle system the way that you now switch between your blade and your driver so you can use both of them in battle and every time you switch between them it it acts like uh when you hit the certain rhythm to the move like when you hit a move perfectly in xenoblade it gives you a bit of a boost it does a bit more damage and it will make it so that you're closer to like using your special attack and when you switch in and out of battle not only does it do that if you hit the timing correctly but it also heals you so a lot of the healing is dependent on you switching your character in and out and making sure that um, everything is okay so it it adds a bit more of a layer but also simplifies it it's just a beautiful system and i think for me it may be my favorite battle system in any 
JRPG. Um, I love Final Fantasy XIII's battle system, and I love Xenoblade's battle system. I think this may be the peak of it, honestly, because it's just mm. so damn satisfying to to attach all the special orbs and then finally pull off a chain attack, and and then like at the end it shows you how much damage you do, and it's always like the final boss is like I did two and a half million damage. Just it feels good when you see a giant number like that, uh, and you basically take off like half the HP bar in one. Um, so yeah very very good but so, so yeah we went for xenoblade toner at four yep. octopath at three uh, one more point on octopath just wanted to mention the class system i absolutely loved it it was very simple which i was scared about before the game i thought it was going to be too complicated it's, it's actually very simple but at the same time really easy to use and you just really appreciate the the extra skills both the permanent and temporary skills you get with all those class systems you can do yeah, some crazy definitely. combos in that game. i remember making sure to mainline merchant with cyrus so that i get the half sp skill which is a lifesaver especially when i was using cyrus most of the time as one of my I think main that damage skill dealers. might be called lifesaver is it okay well one that's of them good. is called lifesaver i can't remember yeah but but yeah my my tactic was like using uh primrose and therion as my buff slash debuff and then i had cyrus as my big magic uh, damage dealer and olbrick as my big melee damage dealer and at a certain point i was like i'm just gonna go through these four stories because i'm gonna level these guys up to oblivion and smash my way through and it was it was enjoyable because i i yeah. made mince meat of a lot of those bosses yeah. um <laughs> but then the rest of my party is like level 30 still and i'm like i want to go back and finish ophelia's story i really do but also that's a fucking pain in the ass, you know? It's a pain in the ass to level her up and, you, and make you her You can usable. carry a single unit I, fairly yeah, I easily could. in that game. I Especially could. if they are your sort of healer kind of person. If they're your big hitter, there's no hope. But if they're your, you know, healer kind of person, I, f- yeah. I found it okay. Because I had like three or four healers I'd rotate between right. um, to cover my bases and stories, basically. But Sure. And yeah, that's not a good thing to say about the game. It's, it would have been much better, like you said before, I think, MBZ, of just having mm-hmm. equal um, XP gain yeah, per for sure. level. It was just ugh, annoying. I'd have but, preferred that, but it made it up to three, and I do love that game. And yeah. it has so much scope for the future. If they could just iron out some of those kinks, yeah. it could be one of the best JRPGs ever. Um, so we made, that made it to three, as we said, Into the Breach made it up to two. Mm-hmm. And then a game that we put into the top five... And then we just didn't talk about it until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no need to, you know. We've So much has been said already, but, you know, yeah. it, it, of course, was Celeste at number one. It, Celeste, like, fucking walks this It was easily. so far <laughs> like, ahead of the rest of the pack. It was just, yeah. like, sailed into the distance. Bigger gap between Celeste and Into the Breach, I feel, than perhaps Zelda and Mario Odyssey from last year. And we love yeah, Zelda. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Celeste... What a great platformer. I mean, this is quite hard to replicate all those things that we amazing things that we said about it, but it's a perfect combination of a solid plat action platformer and a solid story when it's not i would see calling it a solid action platformer is is a disservice to it because i a, think a, it, a near perfect action platformer it, and a solid is, story i should right, say right but it, it's like the design of that game is impeccable from every room being so digestible that the fact that they're almost all completable within about 30 seconds and the reason i know this is because i took so many fucking video clips on my switch <laughs> of rooms that i had cleared and the switch's video is obviously limited to 30 seconds you need that big uh, big micro sd card 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still have so many of them saved on my system. <laughs> but the reason you want to save those clips is because you get to some of these rooms that are incredible challenges. And it not only is a satisfaction to solve the puzzle in your head, to then execute it on it with your dexterity and to use your skills in order to get past it. But it also a lot of the time looks amazing. And you and sometimes you watch these things and it, you feel like a speedrunner because you've pulled off something that seemed almost impossible when you first encountered it. And over practice and trying and not giving up, you're able to to get through it and you have this thing to show for it and i think that's the important thing is you have something to show for your effort uh and that's why i love taking so many video clips of this game and it links just so perfectly into the narrative because the narrative is because you just said it's all about not giving up and that's such a huge part of the narrative and it's that unique thing that games do where they make you feel a feeling and then almost make you play on that feeling which no other medium can do and it's how do you explain it it's that it's it's like it's like it's like the brother it's like brothers when you're playing without that analog stick it's that you feel a feeling and then you have to play part of the game now with that feeling that the story's already told you about if that makes any sense whatsoever like it's hard to explain but this game does it very very well with a fairly simple story but a very very strong one with what this game is trying to do and I, I loved it. It was so, so satisfying. Um, right, and I think just some of the ways that it even uses gameplay to embody those feelings of anxiety and sometimes the ways that you're not able to overcome it. You know, there's the moment with the feather where you have to very carefully make sure that like the heartbeat and the feather are aligned and there's a moment later on where you cut you're unable to do it 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 just kind of takes that control away from you um and i think that the way it emblematizes that stuff and uh, eventually you know gets to a conclusion where you you feel satisfaction and you, you feel like something has been overcome is it's just tremendous the whole way through and i think that a lot has been said about the importance of it uh, and i think it's it was a really good speech that they gave at the game awards when they won that award yeah. as well um but it's it's taking the platforming genre to the next level because it's it's kind of surprising honestly that games have not attempted like this style of game has not attempted to do something more it's obviously like started with the super meat boy trend which is just like oh hey we're gonna model ourselves after mario someone's been stolen been a by long a bad time guy. between super meat boy and this game hasn't it yeah like, it has yeah what, seven years i mean right i mean it, that was kind of the start of the indie movement it was, it was probably a decade now at this point uh, almost which is ridiculous um uh, i think actually 2010 is when meat boy came out so okay. it's like eight years now but but yeah it's it it really shows that you can elevate um something like this and and it's it's not that the story is the thing that carries you through because like that that's an, an important part but it's it's just such a smart game it's so well polished its music is incredible and got stuck in my head for just weeks after playing it constantly um and it it offers so many opportunities for people of all skill levels to access it right like it has those accessibility options where you can it's basically like a cheat mode in the game where you can like slow down time you can give yourself infinite jumps you can make it so that you can't like die on spikes it it allows you almost into the developer menu to just accessorize it to your whim and so if you are somebody who 
ultimately the game tells you like hey like the game is meant to be played this way like that's how it fits into the themes of the story and all that blah 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 but we do understand obviously that you know some people just want to get through the story a mode like that might be a bit weird or pointless arguably in a game like meat boy where there's not much emphasis on the story or getting to the end and maybe maybe i'm i'm I shouldn't say that because maybe seeing the end of that game is still really cool, but right. for the game like Celeste, where there's such a big emphasis on that story, and right, there's an narrative payoff for going through right. it. It's 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 not it's not gatekeeping around that narrative payoff. It's saying, hey, everyone can have the narrative payoff. You don't need to have to nail yeah. this game to to. Despite to the that. fact that it it is kind of vital to play that game to really get the full impact of it, I I That's appreciate yeah, why they. And that, one other good thing I think this game does is it's got like a really cool victory lap style ending where you play, yeah. basically play a mini bit of every single level in the game at the end of the game. I, I, right. I love that. And it's it's this co-op thing between yourself and kind of the inner demon that you have faced um, and and just the way that that all resolves, the triumph of the music, the way it all links together is, is just tremendous. It makes such an impact. And I would have loved this game if I had only that. But also, I played this game for 35 hours because, holy shit, there is so much amazing platforming that you could put out a second game, you know? Like, the B-sides in themselves are incredible. It's like they spent another however long developing a completely separate game because they could these have levels... Just made, yeah, they could have just made another game rather than just make it sort of semi-hidden content in the first game yeah. and that, that's like, a really um, cool thing to do jules watson who's made some stuff on 3ds he's put out the game mutant muds uh which a lot of people enjoyed in 3ds and then after that had come out he put out a new game called mutant muds like super challenge i believe it's called which is hey here's more mutant muds now it's really fucking hard and celeste is just like no we just put that in the game already and there are so many hidden secrets like you can find all these areas that you unlock the b-sides in and there's also an additional thing that lets you unlock a, a very even harder level like a world eight style level um and going around and finding that stuff was actually really satisfying because it made it easy for you to jump into the levels at any point because they're kind of chapter marked there are specific parts that you can just jump right in and it also doesn't require you to finish the level to have the item collected so you can just jump in collect it jump back out and it just it streamlines it It makes there's so much streamlining and polish in this game that elevates it above so many other of these types that i've played before and it it with the fact that it has so much to offer um it just feels amazing to play the the core mechanic of using the dash and climbing is so simple and yet they do so many spins on it they have all these one-off gimmicks in the levels from the wind to the little balls that you go into to um you know loads of other different ideas that are uh, constantly iterated on and made more complex but also just different enough from one another that you never get bored and there's always something new and and unique to learn from them and they even introduce like even more difficult mechanics later on like the space blocks that you burst through in this i think it's the second level later on you figure out that if you tap jump at a certain point when you exit you get a a little boost and you have to use that advanced mechanic in the b-sides in order to get past some of the levels um and, and so there is this added layer of depth like clearly a speed running game clearly something that is meant for a community to to build on it and play through so incredibly satisfying such tight controls just a joy to play looks gorgeous the pixel art is incredible i think the character voices are so amazing the little animal crossing voices they have it's it's the complete package it is such an impeccable game on so many levels um 
and it's also portable because it's on Switch. And the Switch version's amazing. You know, there's, yeah. I had no issues with it whatsoever. I, uh, you actually paid the premium to get this on Switch when you had the option of, of getting it a bit cheaper, I thought, yes. at the time on something else. But yeah, I asked you before, like, is there anything about this game you didn't like? And the only thing you could come back at me with was you, you didn't much like one of the wind, the wind levels. Yeah, I mean, that mechanic annoyed me a little it's bit. Like, but but, that's but also, pretty... I really enjoyed the platforming yeah. challenges designed around it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, a this... near near flawless game. Let's let's leave it leave it at that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, and so it has, it, as I said, it has something for everything, everyone. Even the collectible strawberries that are they literally are meaningless because you don't get anything for getting them um but they're there for the sheer joy of people who want to take on that challenge i think that's the important part of it is i found such satisfaction in just overcoming each of the mini challenges that i came across and they are also bite-sized and perfect despite the levels being very very long like Mm. the last couple of levels will take you like an hour to two hours to finish which is rare for a platformer but I less think of them as levels and I more think of them as kind of chapters in a story and each chapter has a bunch of levels within it, right? Like each room is a level unto itself. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of the wrapping and, and the way that it is presented. So. Was this game first shown off in like a direct in January? Yes, I believe it was in January, so a direct. It, and... The way that a game can just come along that we didn't know about in 2017 and then come 2018, it's our game of the year. It's. I love it when that happens because it, it constantly happens though, and I think it it usually happens with independent games because they don't have as much of a spotlight. Like they're not going to be the big E three thing for three years that no. we keep coming back to. Like this isn't a situation with Death Stranding that we'll never hear the fucking end of it, um, and eventually it'll come out in like two decades. Yeah, and, and when and when the, the when indie developers do end up getting that sort of stretched out run up to their games like a game like uh oh god what's it called the big space exploration no man's sky no man's sky with yeah. that whole fiasco it i mean it's of... happening right now with below like below is a game that people have been talking about for years and years and like suddenly it's just come out and people are a bit like well it kind of feels like it it should have come out back then because right. the industry feels like it's moved on a little bit in terms of this style of game so um, celeste just revealed itself came out very good and it's our game of the year like and and i love it when that happens and i hope it will happen in 2019 yeah i think the thing that speaks most to me about celeste is you tried it for like two seconds and were like i want to play this because <laughs> it just... it's all about it's when a game can sell you on its its uh its basic feel how how's the gameplay how the act has the action controls you know like yeah. the second that clicks regardless of the story and as good as the story is I was sold on wanting to play it on that that feeling alone, and yeah. same with a game like Meat Boy. It, only I I think these these platform controls I actually do prefer to Meat Boy. Um, yeah. One of the weird things is I actually didn't like Celeste's controls when I started because it takes a while for you to get used to the idea that you dash and also grip with the shoulder buttons. Um, it's unorthodox, definitely. It is, but that's but not once, to say it's, once you, yeah. you get used to them, it's like it, this is perfect. Like I wouldn't have this any other way. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's awesome. It feels so good when you overcome the fucking seaside. There's a, there's one seaside level that I kid you not took me about seven hours to beat. Wow. And it's this level that you can literally finish in 30 seconds. I'll do it and one it day. And it took me 
I'll do there, it one day. There, there was multiple times. Like, there was, it was this one week where I was taking the bus in in the morning and the bus in uh, in the evening. And it's like an hour trip that I had. And literally for that whole week, all I did was play that one fucking level, that <laughs> one room. And I beat it and I have the video of it. And that is like, I never want to lose that because it's this trophy of this thing that I achieved that seems so utterly impossible. And yet I was able to do it. And I think that is the best way to describe Celeste is it just, it makes you feel like you can achieve anything. Um, and that's a great message. Um, yeah. So. What a game. So there you go, Celeste. Game of the year. Do you want to run us down Game our, our top year. five, Bally? Yeah, sure. Our number five was Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Number four was Xenoblade Torna. Number three, Octopath Traveler. Number two, Into the Breach. And number one, Celeste. Very good. A great year, I think. Um, a year that is defined by the smaller games. Um, had a few bigger ones in there that we enjoyed, but overall was... Uh, was not quite the juggernaut that 2017 was. I don't think there are as, as many like amazing games that I, I enjoyed overall, but I think it is it was a tremendous year on many fronts. And, and yeah, got a great deal of, of joy out of a lot of Switch games this year. Yeah, again, I think I played an absolute ton of Switch games this year. I think most games I played this year were on Switch, and mm-hmm. there were just a ton of strong, smaller indie games uh, that came to the system, both new and old absolutely yeah it uh it was very very good and i think next year will maybe be more similar to 2017 in terms of nintendo's output we got Oof. animal crossing on the horizon Oof. will Luigi's metro Mansion prime 4 3. exist yeah and fire Luigi's emblem 3. fire emblem oh, i keep forgetting fire emblem is happening another pokemon right and yeah the metro mainline. prime 4 is a bit up in the air but we'll see yeah i'm sure it'll eventually exist well we've got our um, predictions next time uh, yeah exactly if you, if you are confident Valley. enough to think that metro prime 4 is coming in 2019 as i was confident mm-hmm. it was going to come in 2018 <laughs> yeah that was a joke like i was like that prediction is never going to come true you're, you're fucked um, little did i know i wouldn't even we've see, literally not see that game at all from it. yeah <laughs> not yeah, heard yeah, a peep so um yeah so so next time our next episode will be our first 2019 episode and it will be our prediction special Bally, do you want to set that up and, and what we're going to be doing in it yeah i mean we're going to go over our predictions from 2018 and we'll set up set out i guess five new predictions each for 2019 uh and yeah send in your predictions for 2019 we'd love to hear them send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com fantastic uh you can find us in various places across the internet uh you can of course find our twitter account which is at tnl podcast that gives you links to a lot of different things that we do our discord our youtube channel uh obviously when we post new patreon episodes we throw them up there as well uh, and of course we would like to thank uh, all of our patrons for supporting us this year yes thank you very much to our top tier patron daniel v thank you so much for your support and also thank you to our two ten dollar tier patrons they are of course my girlfriend caroline and atari alex thank you for your ten dollar tier support and yes we should say that today was the third pillar of game of the year but we we outlined our second pillar of game of the year and that was on non-tendo systems so that's our seventh episode of tnl ranks that we recorded a week ago so for two dollars you can download all seven episodes of tnl ranks including that um non-tendo game of the year special uh and that's a combined top five list for all those other other great games that came out this year it's been quite a yeah. year 
definitely, definitely. So yeah, you can check that out. Uh, obviously, you can find our show all over the place. We are on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Uh, you can download us on most podcatching apps. I'm trying to get us on Spotify, maybe. I mean, I don't know if that's possible. We can try, uh, we'll try and get us in all these different places so that people can can choose the the most convenient avenue in which to listen and to download us, which would be very very good. Uh, of course, if you want to give us a Christmas present, send us a uh, review over on iTunes. That would be highly appreciated. Um, and and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything else we need to to wrap on before Just we close a, out the year? A really big thank you. Uh, we actually got to fifty reviews not reviews ratings on yes. us itunes um of Amazing. which i think yeah 45 of those ratings were five stars so that's hugely appreciated uh and yeah if you want to give us a rating or a review that would make uh, a lovely christmas present uh it for, would yes we go to tnl hosts yeah um and obviously you know this is the week of holiday and christmas and stuff so we do hope that you all have a great time uh hopefully this is a nice little present for you at the end of the year um and uh hope that everything is good and you play a lot of video games over the christmas break any plans for you bali what are you planning to play i just want to get to break? the end of red dead redemption 2 oh my god <laughs> then i want to lie back hey man horizontal. just youtube that shit just watch the end <laughs> i'm gonna play it i'm gonna play it and <laughs> I want to then enjoy Giant Bomb's Game of the Year for 2018, which I think is yes. going to be heated as ever. Um, I'm so excited for that, for to sure. That. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep playing a lot of different stuff, bouncing between. I played three hours of Skyrim the other day. I'm like, what am I even doing? It, was, it felt not? great. So, so yeah, I'm just going to keep bouncing around loads of different things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thanks, everyone, well, of course, for listening, for continuing with us for another year. And we'll be back very, very soon with some more Nintendo goodness. So, have a great Christmas, have a great New Year, and we will see you in a bit. Bye-bye. interlude used on today's show was a remix of bloody tears and monster dance from super smash brothers ultimate originally from the castlevania series copyright nintendo and konami 2018 all right la 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 clap clap to fill the void of silence cut this out in the edit cut it out don't forget you knob otherwise this will be a really stupid thing and people will it's gonna happen at some point one of us is just gonna leave one of these big stupid blank spots in there. i know and then people are gonna be like what the fuck do you edit this thing or not what's wrong with you people think we're smoother talking sometimes than we actually are oh no 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 we're idiots we just constantly we fuck up all the time that's why editing is great it's magic